All right, welcome to the Armchair Commanders podcast. My name is John. And I'm Jack. And this week, we are joined by Ken from the History X channel. Uh, and by his request, we are reviewing the movie U571, which, uh, as we've previously have talked about, is Jack's favorite film of all time. You know, I was talking shit about that movie numerous times on this podcast. And I rewatched it. It's still not a great movie, but it's not as bad as I remember. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on. First of all, I'll say hi. Thanks for having me on. I'm thrilled to be with you guys. I've listened to a lot of your episodes. I think you guys really have something special. So I was really honored when you invited me on. But with that being said, U571. Okay, so you had seen it before. Yep, seventh grade history class. John, John, had you seen it before? You're a submarine guy. You're a submarine movie guy. I am. I am. I am a sub movie fan. I'm also a, a big airplane movie fan. I actually, uh, I'll show you it later, but I actually have uh, a uh, submarine on my tattooed on my arm. Okay. Well, but you you didn't answer the question. Had you seen the movie before? Absolutely. When I was okay. uh, when I was younger, I had this on vhs and i actually i wore the vhs out on it so <laughs> okay so and then jack said you know terrible movie is it based on what i've heard on your other uh episodes is it pearl harbor bad no 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 it's it's less historically accurate possibly but I wouldn't say it's a worse, worse movie. I, I, okay. I, I love this movie. And when you, John, when you sent me the email, first of all, how did you guys come across me? Oh, you see, we oh. asked our crystal ball and it said <laughs> your name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, YouTube doing what it does, you, your channel came across my feed one day because the algorithm was, doing its job in your favor um and i i checked out your stuff and i think the the video that i came across for you was it was about uh world war ii shipwrecks basically being uh like divers were going and stealing parts off of it and i was like what oh, yeah 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 in in southeast asia that was yeah you're talking about the repulse and the prince of wales yeah so yeah. there's there's these like scavengers who are uh you know hitting up these shipwrecks and i'm like that's a shit thing to do because you know they yeah. are they're they're essentially graveyards for for your for your listeners that aren't aware you know there are people that will dive down on shipwrecks and they'll they'll take a souvenir here and there they'll grab a a piece of whatever and of course they aren't supposed to do it but unfortunately what's happening in southeast asia in these international waters they're literally dredging up these shipwrecks not just taking bits and pieces they are blasting these shipwrecks to pieces and then dredging up the steel and selling the steel and you could say well that sounds like a lot of trouble, a lot of time and effort to get scrap steel. But the thing about the steel is that it's pre-atomic steel. I don't know if you caught that in the episode, but 
that's why the steel is so valuable. And that's why I was so incensed when I, I, it was actually a documentary that I had seen that was produced over in, in Asia. And I literally took that documentary, chopped it up and, and rearranged it so that it made sense to me and added some other content and then posted on my channel. So I hope maybe your viewers, your listeners would check it out because it's heartbreaking when you, when you learn that these scavengers, these salvagers are literally dredging up these battleships for the pre-atomic steel. No. And it, you know, it's, it's like I said, they are, they're legitimately graveyards. So they're, yeah. you know, they're not just destroying and dredging up, you know, you know, historic pieces of history. They're literally disturbing the final resting place of tons and tons of people. So it's, it's, it was, when I saw that video, it, it really caught my attention. And from there, you know, I've, I've seen your, a bunch of your other stuff. And I guess my question for you, so you said that U571 is a, is a big film for you. How did yeah. you really get into naval history? You know, it's just, it's, my story is no different than a lot of other people. I'm, I'm a, I'm a guy, I'm in my fifties and growing up, you maybe had three channels on the television one channel or one television in the house my father was always watching these these war movies of course my brother and i we hated it at the time because we wanted to watch something else but you know if you want to spend time with your dad and this is what he's doing you know or you know renting vhs movies and you know bringing them home inevitably he'd always want to get some kind of a war movie as you get older, then it's like, oh, okay, that, that, that's kind of cool. And you, you get into this stuff. A regret that I have growing up is both of my grandfathers served in World War II, and I couldn't have possibly cared less at the time. They're both gone. So I wish I would have had the notion or the motivation to learn more about what they did. They were both in the Army. But when it comes to you coming across my YouTube channel, History X, and seeing a lot of the videos that I do, I literally started the channel just because I wanted to learn more about some historical stories. It, it wasn't even military. It wasn't even World War II. It could have been uh, about, I did a video about a torch lighting ceremony over in Barcelona for the Olympics, you know, because it was something I was fascinated by. But, you know, you, you eventually, when you do YouTube or you do Instagram or in, you find, in your case, you find your niche. You do, or it, no, more importantly, it finds you. And in I don't Soviet know. Russia. I, what's that? In Soviet Russia. <laughs> no, no, you, 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 finds got, you. You, you take your, you take your podcast, for example, you know, armchair commanders. And I don't know if you guys had this idea from the, from the start, but you, you, you learn about not only what your viewers or subscribers want to hear about, but you also, you know, it's what you're passionate about. So my YouTube channel quickly kind of not only went into military history, it went into World War II history. And then I started to make contacts with other uh, museum ship uh, museums, Buffalo Naval Park, USS Slater in New York, USS Kidd down in Baton Rouge, um, the battleship New Jersey over in Philadelphia, uh, Pearl Harbor, and I spend most of my time now doing videos about warships, shipwrecks, 
However, like you, John, I do also have a passion for aviation. So that's how it all got started. All right. See, I had a very similar, uh, you know, you mentioned watching a bunch of like war films with your dad. I, I very much had a similar thing with my grandfather because he was the kind of guy that uh, every time I went over to his house, he had TMC on the TV and it was always something in black and white or it was a John Wayne film. So like, you know, we, we've mentioned it multiple times where it's like there's a couple of John Wayne films that we've reviewed that we're kind of like this film is eh, but we're like. I have such a like a nostalgia piece attached to these films that um well you guys you guys did the longest day yep and uh, we also uh, what was we it? also did the, we also did the horse soldiers uh and we did that with the civil weird podcast yeah i well, i didn't catch that one but your episode you guys did the longest day and then the other john wayne movie that i really liked which was uh navy that was um that was that was the midway movie. What the heck was that? So it was the longest day, and then it was John Wayne. Was it in harm's way? In harm's way, yeah, yeah. That so that's another movie that my father would watch constantly. And at the time, being young, you don't really understand what's going on. But as you get older, and it becomes more interesting, you get into some of the intricacies of the code breaking aspects of in harm's way it you know it becomes really fascinating and then here you guys are reviewing these war movies i i i really i really think you're on to something i i like i said i've enjoyed a lot of your episodes matter of fact the episode that you did with blake from the world war ii airborne demonstration team you guys did operation market garden yep uh i just, I just gotta say that was a fantastic a fantastic. bridge too far yeah, it's actually our our second most streamed episode. And uh, I don't know if you have caught the joke yet, but I bet you can't guess what our number one streamed episode is. <laughs> no, no, I get I, what what is it? Down Periscope. No. <laughs> <laughs> Down Periscope is our Citizen Kane. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> we have, I th I think we're at like 3,000 some views on YouTube with it and a few, a few hundred streams. One of my most favorite lines, and I use the line all the time, came from Down Periscope, even though I despise the movie passionately, is when they first come across the submarine. Uh, they, I think they called it the USS Rustoleum or something like that. Yeah. And and uh, Kelsey Kelsey Grammer turns to I forget the name of the actor that plays the VXO. It's like you know Rob Schneider. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> turns to Rob Schneider and says, "Well, what do you think?" He said, "Sir, I feel like I need a tetanus shot just by looking at it." And, and I've used that line so many different times throughout my life. Uh, if something just looks awful, I feel like I need a tetanus shot just from looking at it. So I at least took something away from that movie. Unfortunately, there wasn't much else I could take from it. See, if we ever get to the point that we like have a fan base that would, that we can justify making t-shirts, I sincerely want to have a, a, like an image of a crab holding a knife 
because there's a line in that uh, from Toby Huss is like, sounds like two crabs duking it out. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, yeah, I'm okay. It's, it's, it's an awful, awful movie. It's an awful movie, but what you're talking about, you know, you, your most downloaded or your most listened to episode or whatever that I've created videos where I feel like I was just phoning it in. Right. I did the bare minimum. I, I wanted to cover a subject. I didn't have a lot of time. Maybe a subscriber was asking me to talk about a particular subject, whatever. It's like, all right, fine. I'm going to placate them. I'm going to do the video and then move on. And you're not proud of it. You know, you didn't do the greatest job possible. And then all of a sudden the thing's got like 250,000 views. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, it's weird how those things worked out, work out. I was shocked that you said it was down Periscope, but then at the same time, now that I think about it, I'm not surprised. It was also down Periscope was like our third episode. So we literally just got started. So like we did that episode and we're like, holy shit, we're taking off. And then we tapered right back down to where we, we normally sit. And we're like, oh, Hey, get used to it get used to yeah, there's all, in this there's all kinds of ups and downs you know sometimes i'm flying i'll get a thousand subscribers a day other times it's like crickets it, it's get get used to it that's all i have to say. so okay so jack doesn't like you 571 so here when you when you sent me the email and like i said a few moments ago i was really kind of i was really thrilled i didn't know about you guys but i quickly did some research and i'm like, well they got something really cool going on here i'm starting to listen to episodes i really like what you do so then I've got a, I've, I don't know if you remember, but it probably, you're probably going, is this guy going to respond and give me his movie? I don't know if you remember that, but I, I took a long time. Yeah. It's, so what I, here, here's what, the thing is like, when I, when I talk to people and especially when it's like through social media or, or what have you, it, I totally get that, you know, people get busy and life is hectic and all that kind of stuff. But like, there there's been times i remember there's like one i i messaged somebody right when we started and then six months later i got a response and then we did an episode <laughs> like a week later so i was like eh, it is yeah. what it is so I, I don't get too hung up on it nope 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 that wasn't it at all that wasn't it at all i'd like to say that when you sent me the email i'm going hey that sounds great sounds like a lot of fun oh crap what movie am i gonna pick it literally took me days to decide. So here, I want to read off my list to you. And I want, to, I want you guys to tell me, first of all, if you've seen it. You know what? Let's just leave it at that. I want to know if, if you've seen it. Uh, so one of them was Where Eagles Dare. I don't think we've done that. No, I, I, I haven't seen it. I, I'm, I, I'm quite familiar with it, but I haven't okay. seen it start to yeah. finish. All right. One of Clint Eastwood's uh, earlier movies. So Where Eagles Dare. Von Ryan's Express. I have seen that. Yes. Okay. Jack. No. All right. Um, das Boot. Of course, it's on yeah. our list. And yeah, I, of course. I, I know you, you hadn't reviewed it. You haven't reviewed it. And John, when he sent me the email, said can't do Saving Private Ryan because that's coming up in an upcoming episode. No big deal. Great movie, but it's not one of them that I would have picked. Uh, the Great Escape. Absolutely. Okay. Matter of fact, if you look over my shoulder. I've got right. Steve, Steve McQueen on the motorcycle. Nice. Fantastic movie. Uh, Jack, had you seen it? Nope. No? No, surprisingly. Memphis Bell. 
That was another film that I had the VHS of that I wore out. <laughs> is that on our list? Yes, it is. Ah. But no, has, I haven't uh, seen that either. You haven't seen that either. No, I'm it has, uh, it has Matthew Modine in it. Yes, it does. Matthew Modine, Sean Astin. Hell uh, yeah, Sean Astin. John Lithgow. Billy Zane. Yes, yeah, Billy Zane. So I was going to pick that, but then it's like, okay, I wanted to stick with me. And then the last movie on my list was Greyhound. Yes, Tom Hanks. Have, have seen that. Jack? Nope. John, why is Jack on this show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. he. There were no other applicants. <laughs> there was nobody else, right? <laughs> I lied on my resume. I got to admit it, John. So, so here I am picking U571. Is there another movie out of that list I just gave you out of that six that you would have me rather had, have, you would have rather me chose than, than U571? No. I, it, no, me, me personally, I, I would have been fine with any of them. I uh, I am happy we did do U five seven one just because Jack has submarine movie. Hey, it's a submarine movie, but Jack has also talked some shit on it before. So I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna make him suffer. All right, Jack, talk some shit about U five seventy one. You mean other than the fact that it's complete bullshit that the American forces didn't do this? It was the British, and it it wasn't in forty four. It was way before Americans entered the war like four months, I think, whatever. And U-571 wasn't the ship itself. That was another ship. U-571 mm-hmm. got blown the fuck up in June of 1944. I I can't argue with any of that. You're, you're absolutely correct. Okay. However, and this is why, this is one of the reasons why I like U-571. I mean, first of all, I thought it was a real entertaining movie. You know, for somebody that doesn't know anything about World War II, and or like if you're on a you know you're with your girlfriend your wife you want hey you want to watch you want to watch a movie oh yeah what movie you want to watch well you can't say oh we're gonna watch a war movie hey do you like matthew mcconaughey there you go all right all right all right yeah exactly oh i love matthew mcconaughey you know bill paxton yeah i think i know who he is harvey Keitel, whatever and it's like yeah okay that sounds great so <laughs> john bon jovi (laughs) yeah john bon jovi who did a good job you have to admit but so first of all it kind of gets people that don't know anything about world war ii to watch that's that's kind of to somebody like me i i'm all about getting more people to watch or appreciate anything related to world war ii i don't i hate video games i don't know a damn thing about video games gamers all that stuff but yet you cannot or ignore the argument that it is the over 10 times larger than movies cinema when it comes to getting eyes on world war ii related content so anything even though jack's right it's a historically inaccurate movie pearl harbor bad but it gets people to watch some world war ii related content that they otherwise wouldn't have you know, selected to screen, put into their DVD play, whatever. So that's one of the reasons why I appreciate it. It's definitely a, a gateway film to the set. <laughs> the, um, the other thing is, when's the last time you saw a movie about the Enigma? Um, uh, it was that a uh, couple of years ago with uh, Benedict Cumberpatch. The yeah, that one. Game. 
Bennett, but it wasn't real calculator. That that was not a fantastic movie. I don't think that was necessarily about the Enigma, though. It's about the code. It was. It was yeah. about breaking the Enigma code, but it wasn't necessarily about the actual like trying to seize one or right anything of that right. nature. So Jack's one hundred percent correct. You know, I mean, the British Royal Navy. I don't know. They they did they did this like maybe 10, 12 different times. The U.S. only did it once, and by then the Allies had already pretty much broken the Enigma code. At least the Enigma with three dials. I don't know about four, but at least the Enigma with three dials. So it had already been broken. But in order to have a movie like this, you know, even created, it's got to be an American movie. Yeah, you could have used Daniel Craig or some other British actor, you know, Colin Firth, whatever. But, you know, so in order to get the American market, it's got you got to have Matthew McConaughey and these other names. You've got to have a studio sign on with it. And if you want it to be historically accurate, quite frankly, you're going to have a hard sell. Yeah. And I'm all about I'm all about history. I'm all about getting behind the scenes. I'm all about the facts. You know, if you've checked out History X, you know that. But at the same time, I don't want World War II to die. And if if this means getting more people to watch, I'm all about it. No, it, it definitely there are so many World War II films that aren't like air quote historically accurate or even quality wise good, but they're they're fun films or they're action-packed films and they they get butts in the seat and they get people interested mm -hmm. um you know a good example of that is like when we had the guys from the civil weird podcast on here we did the movie horse soldiers it's a you know john wayne film about a caval a union cavalry raid in the south mm -hmm. and that film is full of inaccuracies it completely like glazes over you know the issues of slavery during the war lots of issues yeah but it's one of those films where it's like you know i watched it as a kid with my grandfather and it got me interested in the civil war so even though that's, you even though when you first watch it you don't fully appreciate like oh this is kind of a jacked up film like it doesn't matter because a you enjoyed it and b you got into the topic um there i just there, i you're you're exactly right now i will tell you i know very little about the civil war i know very it, for some reason i know i just know a ton about world war one world war two but there are people out there that know a lot about say roman history or there are people out there that know a lot about you know medieval civil war my my focus just happens to be world war ii so if if somebody wanted to get me to watch a movie about the civil war and you know like gettysburg for example fantastic movie and and you guys reviewed that i believe and you know i'm sure there's a lot of historical accuracies but i i should say i'm sure there's a lot of historical inaccuracies in in small depending on how tight you want to get on the details Right. But yet that that got me that movie got me to watch four hours long, but it got me to watch a movie about the Civil War. And I'm all about that. There's a historian, pretty, pretty big name. His name's Marty Morgan. And I don't expect you to know who he is, but he's he's a leading historian on things like the Normandy invasion, D-Day, that type of thing. 
written a ton of books. He is he is uh, one of the leading advisors to Sledgehammer Games. Do you guys know about Sledgehammer Games? Absolutely. Okay. Spent they were they were Sledgehammer is okay. the Call other half that broke when Call of Duty split in half. It was Sledgehammer and Treyarch. So yeah, so for the gamer world. Sledgehammer Games created Call of Duty, or they were involved with the development of Call of Duty. And in order to become historically accurate, or to make it as historically accurate as possible, they enlisted or hired guys like Marty Morgan. And the historical community freaked out. Why would you do this? Marty, what are you doing? You know, video games? Seriously? You know, you're 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 a published author, you know, leading expert, Normandy invasion. That what are you doing? He said, Look, I can get in front of more people. The audience is much larger, and therefore I can influence them on what their introduction is or what their knowledge of World War II is by enlisting my knowledge in video games over movies over the books I've written. He said, I, you know, I'm, maybe I'll sell a, th a, a couple thousand books. There are millions of people that'll see my work with the video games. And it's like, I can't argue with that. Well, it's like, I think a good example of that is, you know, one of the earliest uh, Medal of Honor games, uh, I believe it was Medal of Honor Frontline. Um, basically the storyline is that you start off in the Normandy invasion and your character due to his stellar performance in the Normandy invasion uh, gets picked up to be an OSS agent. And mm -hmm. in this game, there's literally a level that uh, as an OSS agent, you infiltrate a submarine, you kill the entire crew, and then you go and like sabotage a U-boat base. And when I was watching this movie, as they were raiding and clearing the sub, I'm like, I I immediately thought back to that game and that particular level. And I was like, I was literally waiting, like, there's a scene where the the cook, like, jumps out and tries to hit them with, like, a frying pan or something. And I'm I like, yeah, and put your knife or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the video game level, there's there's a moment where there is a cook who throws butcher knives at you. And I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. And this movie came out roughly the same time as that game. And I was like, who copied who here? Like, <laughs> it's my favorite kind. It's, it's, well, it's, I mean, incestuous uh, market too, I suppose. Uh, all right. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I dragged you guys off track, but I just wanted to find out out of those movies that I listed. Why, I think why it really is. Why wouldn't U571 be a good one to choose? No, it's it's an excellent one to talk about. Like it it it's obviously given up it we we like films that gives us stuff to talk about. Like, you know, we we were supposed to have Saving Private Ryan released last week, but we had a scheduling conflict. But the episode before that recording was supposed to occur, you know, we mentioned like, hey, we have this review coming up. And we mm -hmm. made the joke, we're like, let's go ahead and get Saving Private Ryan done and out of the way. Five out of five stars. Tom Hanks is great. Wow. Okay, next movie. <laughs> you know. Tom Sizemore. Yeah. You know, love it. There, there are certain films that are like, 
you know, they're the peak of like Saving Private Ryan is very much the peak or the epitome of a war film. And it's like, what can you say about it that hasn't already been said? Even like we're we're going to do it still, but that's exactly why I was hesitant because not because it's a bad movie. It's an amazing movie. It's just that it's done to death. Everything that's been said about it has been said, you know, like what's left what's left to talk about. See, I disagree. I, I, I under, I appreciate what you're saying. You're right. Everyone loves it. Fantastic movie. Everyone's talked about it, but there's something to be said for what, what struck Jack about it. All right. I don't know you, you don't know me or anything like that, but I sure would be interested, especially when you say you 571, you throw out all the ac- historical inaccuracies and everything, but you are aware of them. Maybe you did some research or whatever, but yeah, I'd be interested to see what you, what you liked and what you didn't like about saving private Ryan. Everyone's got their own opinions and that, so that that's something that I always find fascinating. Yeah. Every, I could read what other people say about it but that's kind of why i started my youtube channel it's like i wasn't getting the answers that i wanted to get about certain subjects so then i did my own research read 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 books on my own and then threw my opinions out there now you're stuck you're stuck listening to my opinions right right (laughs) you got me yeah so so i mean there's got to be something you didn't like about saving private ryan hmm the uh, fading American flag behind aging Matt Damon. Tell me I'm a good man. <laughs> um, it's funny you say that. I had a hard time with that uh, scene, if you want to call it that, that scene as well, you know, where he kind of collapses and everyone's like, oh, grandpa. And then they come running up. It's like, oh, man, they kind of ruined. But you had to have something like that in there, I suppose. Um Jack didn't say anything though. There's got to be something you didn't like about Saving Private Ryan. I need to think. Damn it. Um, or maybe that. Maybe this. Maybe the scene towards the end of the final battle where shit's going south fast and Matt Damon's like in a fetal position, rocking back and forth, crying. Um. I mean, yeah. You probably didn't like that. I could see that happen. I could see that really happening in yeah, a battle. Having, yeah, you know, getting all of a sudden, you know, people are, you know, soldiers are shocked and everything, and all of a sudden they curl up in a ball. <clears throat> the part, the one, the the part that I didn't like that I had a hard time with was I wish I could remember the name of the actor, but it was the interpreter, uh, Oppum. Yeah, yeah. Th- that you know, when he he didn't get up there, he could have saved that. He could have saved that guy. Right. No, that's and that's a very powerful scene in that movie. Incredibly, incredibly powerful. Yeah, so I I had a hard time with it. Now, of course, my grandfather, uh, my mother's father, he he did the door to door house clearing in in France and Germany, and I could see a lot of that stuff happening. You, you know, he may, that he might have been exposed to. I won't know, but so that was the hard. But you know, is that a historical inaccuracy? No, I'm sure stuff like that happened. But you know, saving private, we all have our we all have our problems with the movies. Jack's problem with U-571, that, you know, right on the money. I mean, the, the Americans did not grab the Enigma uh, until the U-505, you know, after the code had been broken. But they wanted a submarine. It wasn't really about stealing the They just wanted a German U-boat. And 
so yeah, it's historically inaccurate. I don't even know if you guys are aware, but even Bill Clinton kind of had to apologize for the movie. They I was really. Well, well, this is, I, I definitely wanted to touch on this subject, which, you know, we, we mentioned the historical inaccuracies and you mentioned President Clinton uh, having to do kind of an apology for it because this film upset people to the point that it was an issue on the floor of parliament. And they're like, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This, yeah, this, is, an affront, this is an affront to our service members, all this, that, and the other. And my here's where i feel conflicted about it is we often have talked on this podcast about films that start off with inspired by a true story or based on a true story at no point does this movie ever make that there's not a little title, title card that says inspired based on whatever the beginning of this movie is, says is that true it, is that it doesn't say anything like that no i and i so made i i scrubbed back and double okay. checked it because i was like hold on a second but the opening title card just says it's 1942 the mm -hmm. u-boats are wreaking havoc and you know the allies are trying to break or capture the enigma and then we mm -hmm. get into our movie we get through the entire movie and at the end it says this movie is dedicated to the allied soldiers and sailors who yeah did capture yeah. it and it lists the actual dates and the actual ships who did it so it gives credit to the hms bulldog and you know so i i feel very conflicted because yes this this story itself in this movie didn't happen but it never claimed it did although one can make the argument that like yes the way this film is portraying it if you didn't know any better or if you didn't really do your research you would take this film at base value as this is how we got the enigma mm -hmm. but i i think it's one of those it's it's a film that is i think it's trying to be an action film and a war film first and it's it took inspiration from these different events to come up with this story. But I don't think it's so egregious that it deserved to be brought up in a like a government legislature as being an issue. Well, you 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 have to you have to let me start over. If you're if you're gonna be a member of parliament or related to us here in the US, and you're gonna be a representative of your constituents, and you just happen to have some cons constituents that, well, hell, all right, you, you know, your listeners can't see this, but John's wearing a hoodie, Doolittle Raiders, okay? And of course, in the movie Pearl Harbor, they depict the notion that pilots that took part that were able to get off the ground during the air raid were then <laughs> considered the most experienced pilots to fly a completely different airframe a b-24 bomber uh, a b-25 bomber and and so i'm sure you're aware when they first aired this and they had some of the surviving raiders you know they walked out yes yeah for the screening and, and it generally shocks me because last time I checked, I think there's maybe 
three or four films that depict the Doolittle Raiders. And I think there's more than that. Just off the top but, of my head that I can Sure, think sure. Of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's all good. It's, you know, I liked... I liked the bombing scene from Pearl Harbor where the Doolittle Raiders do their thing. But yes, your, your thing about the pilots that were chosen, it like that's nonsense. Mm-hmm. And obviously it, it blows my mind that I think the best Doolittle Raider movie we have was one that was, I think it was made in 44 or 45, but it's based off of one of the Raiders uh, books, 30 seconds, 30, over 30 seconds over Tokyo. Yeah. And it's like, why is it, can we just get like one solid do little Raider movie made today? Like, I would love that. I, I would love that. I, I just think though, in order to get people that wouldn't normally watch a more, a war movie and not to be sexist or anything like that, but war movies are tr- traditionally viewed by males, not necessarily by females, but in order to, Hey, you want to watch a movie tonight? How about a movie with Ben Affleck and uh, what's the name of the other actor? Josh Hartnett. Like a, and thank you. Yeah. Hell yeah. You know, she'll, she'll watch a movie with Josh Hartnett all day long. Heck and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that was our last episode. You, you get, you get more people to watch it. And, and I'll, I'll be in, I'll be in Pearl Harbor in March and everything like that. And I'm looking forward to actually walking around those, you know, but to even just show that to people that may never make it over to Hawaii or, you know, to, to, it's like to get them to ask, did that really happen? (laughs) You know, I think is important now going back to U571, you know, like I said, many times, Jack's right. And you guys talked about, you know, the, the British did a heck of a lot more to steal the Enigma and intercept these uh, code materials, you know, like the weather ciphers and everything like that, which, but see if that, if the, if the movie was never made, nobody would even be prompted to question, well, what is the deal with that typewriter looking thing? What is a weather cipher? Why was that so important? You know, uh, U-boats, huh? Don't really know about that. And so I, I tend to back it way, way back and say, hey, look, you know, yeah, not historically. Ac- I mean, I, I, I even made a list here before I got on here. There were some real small details that some people could have a problem with. And Jack, tell me if you have a problem with this. But Harvey Keitel, you know, traditionally, the order to submerge is dive, dive, correct? You go dive, dive. Yeah, he says it three times. Says it, says it three times. Which I'm not going to hold that against this movie. I didn't know until, well, this morning when I was reading more about this movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, and besides, I, I I like dive, dive, dive better than dive, dive because it's more <laughs> just more dramatic. Rule of three, rule of authoritative, three. authoritative. Mm-hmm. I have I have a pet at moment that I I wanted to bring up. What's and that? So. There's a scene. By, by the way, I'm really enjoying having this conversation with you guys because you know we don't know each other, just met, but I already feel like you know we could talk for hours. So go ahead. No, I'm digging it. Um, so my pet ant moment, and I know it's like who cares about this, but they make a big deal over 
the depth that they're diving to, which yeah. obviously it is World a War submarine II's, movie. Yes, we. It's a submarine movie. We gotta have the the fear of crushing mm-hmm. to death at some. Point. Gotta get up. Gotta get under these things. Yeah. Um. Crush death. But, oh no. And granted, World War II submarines did not have the ability to go to the depth that modern submarines go to that's that's not the issue here but you know they're talking about like i think they're like 150 meters is something is what they mention as being like their max of what they'll do and when they're in the german u-boat the depth gauge maxes out at 200 and there's like the little red section so you know like oh they're at 200 like it's real dangerous and then like they go below that and you're like they're pushing the limits but like yep. it, if you just do a quick little Google search, you'll like you'll see that German U-boats were rated for 230 meters. And, you know, there's accounts of them going even a little deeper than that. But like it makes me angry that it's like like obviously the these allied sailors are not going to know what the German U-boat is actually rated for. Like I'm not angry at that. I am angry that like a German U-boat just has 200 as the cutoff for its gauge. It's like, come on, guys. We we know that that gauge would go farther than what its actual max safe cutoff is. Well, okay. Now, we can really get in the weeds on this if you want to. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, are we talking about a Type 7 U-boat? <laughs> no? I mean, <laughs> I mean... We could really, we could really tear this apart if you want to. I am not, I am not a U-boat expert. I am a U-boat fan. Okay, I am I would, not. I would, I would put myself in the same category. I'm a, I'm okay. a U-boat. I refer to a sub enthusiast. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I, I have visited the U-505 in Chicago at the Museum of Science and Industry. I highly recommend it to anyone that is visiting Chicago. Visit the Museum of Science and Industry and check out the German U-boat, the U-505 that's on display there. It is fantastic. Fun to walk through, amazing to walk around. And I believe that's a Type 7. I could be wrong. And, you know, just like anything else, you come out with bigger and better. And so you're you're right. I think that depth gauge did top out at 200. I don't know. Maybe that's what the type seven topped out at. Who knows? And then you you said you do a Google search and now they're rated at 230. I'd, I'd be curious to find out what type U-boat that was. Mm. I recently did an interview. You ever watch the History Channel, Deep Sea Detectives? Was that a show actually with History Channel? Yeah, yeah. History, this was it, this is it, like 10, 15 years ago. Deep Sea Detectives. These guys would go exploring shipwrecks. Oh yeah, it had a. Wasn't it the the guy who now does the Allstate commercials? Was like it's the Allstate, man. Are you in the, the narrator? God, what? Mm, that I don't know. That oh, I don't know. But it was it was mad. so the the two guys they were divers, uh, Richie Kohler and John Chatterton, and they were. They did like maybe 50 episodes checking out different shipwrecks around the world. And I recently had the thrill of interviewing Richie Kohler. And he, he to ask him about, he helped to identify or led the effort to identify a German submarine off the coast of New Jersey, the U-869. 
And the U-869 came out at the very end of World War II, probably one of the last subs produced. So does that make it, I don't know, a Type 9? I'd have to I'd have to go back in my notes and look. But I don't think it was a Type 7. So maybe a Type 9, Type 9C, whatever, maybe they could dive deeper. So I really don't know. Like I said, we can really get in the weeds here. But I'm not going to fault. I will fault the movie for going dive, dive, dive. Right. Rather than I'll fault the movie for having a gauge that goes to 200. I will fault the movie. You know, you think about cop movies from decades ago. It's like, when is this guy going to reload his gun? How many shots has he fired already? Man, this revolver has a massive capacity. I want one of those revolvers. That thing, thing, he shot 22 times before he stopped to reload. Well, how many damn... How many depth charges did that I, I have, destroy? I have the number. I have the number. What? <laughs> 80 depth charges is what that that destroyer dropped versus what? I I believe it was bench the the source I was looking at mentioned that the average number of depth charges a destroyer from the German Navy would have carried would have been in like the 30 range. Yeah, sure. like yeah. I, the number yes. the numbers the numbers I read was 18 typically but 30 during wartime but yes somebody went through and counted it it was 80 depth charges (laughs) yeah and a ridiculous amount of depth charges to have on one boat first of all they take up a lot of space second of all germany their munitions manufacturing capacity was extremely diminished and so they didn't have that many to just throw on one destroyer and have it put around the middle of the Atlantic. Right. So to have that many depth charges dropped. And then if you watch the movie Greyhound with Tom Hanks, they, you know, he, he ran into a, in the movie, they depict him running into trouble in the very beginning. And that, that, that movie was actually based on a book. I think that was the good, the good shepherd. Shepherd. No. Yeah. The good, was was it the good shepherd? It was either the good shepherd or like shepherd of the sea, something like that. But shepherd wasn't the name. Yeah. And, and, and so the, the captain ran into trouble because he kept doing full spreads of depth charges. And all of a sudden his Lieutenant came up as like, uh, we're out of depth charges. <laughs> it's like, what? I, I just, I just did three spreads. Yeah. Three, three spreads of seven. That's 21. And we don't, we, we, I think we've got a couple, you know, stored down in the cruise quarter, you know, so they, they ran low after doing just 20. So to have this German, <laughs> this German destroyer, uh, drop all these depth charges without per, the proverbial reloading, like in these cop movies, you know, I, I just, so do you have more of a problem with that kind of stuff? Or do you have more of a problem with the fact that, they depict an American effort at recovering the inib. I don't know. Everyone, everyone, mm, everyone could have their t- That's tough. I, because I get the purpose of the scene, like, cause you can't have a submarine movie without a depth charge scene. It's, it's just, it's a rule. You, you just, can't yeah. Um, I got another, I got another one for you. Okay. I got another one. Check this out. So, when the resupply sub shows up the real german resupply sub shows up right i also know where you're going with this one yeah me too well i hold on a second i lost my train of thought were you going to talk about the difference between 
were you going to talk about the difference between like an attack sub versus a milk cow? No. Well, okay. So there, there is one thing about milk cows and I'm sure if you did a little bit of research, you'll know that a milk cow, the resupply subs, they did not have torpedoes. That's where I so thought they you were couldn't going have, with it. So. They, they couldn't have fired a torpedo, but there, you take it a step further. And this depicted an underwater sub V sub battle where huh. they fired torpedoes at, at each other. We actually, there's a, there's a term for it and it's one of Jack's favorite terms. What's that? Hot sub on sub action. That's <laughs> real hot, real hot, real Inaccurate, wet, but hot, real, real hot, real wet sub on sub action. Okay. Now, that's only happened one time in history of yep. submarines. I do, I do know that the venture versus the eight sixty four. And, you know, so here, so when you talk about inaccuracies, you know, here's this sub, you know, firing on, a, on, on, on another sub and, but that's only happened once ever, you know, where a sub was sunk by another submarine submerged. And like I said, that was the Venture versus the H-64, which by the way, is leaking a ton of mercury off of Norway, but uh, anyway. what's, what's a little bit of uh yeah what's a little yeah. bit of mercury poisoning between friends but, so but, so we can shoot we can shoot holes in this movie but the other thing that we could do is we could also credit it for all the stuff it did right right i mean if you think about the set the set design you know these guys they talked about you know the technical problems that had to be overcome like you know they couldn't find the uh equalizing valves trying to figure out the impulse air you know i mean those are details why would you ever put that in a movie who cares white, white for green white for green right the christmas tree exactly yeah and and people say why do they call it a christmas tree well because on an american boat the lights are green okay on a german boat they're white yeah and, and yeah white for green clar clar for clear you know all that stuff then they say it might it might have it might get people to question well what is a christmas tree <laughs> Right. You know, do you know what, what was the Christmas tree used for? Do you know? Make Lights. sure every, make sure everything is clear. So you don't sink your shit when yep. you go down. You're on, you're on the right track to make sure that all those different lights, which registers for a different compartment registers pressure, because if there's a hull breach, all of a sudden that compartment isn't going to be pressurized and you can't dive. Right. So you got to make sure that all those lights are lit before you take the sub down and so for you know if that gets someone to start asking questions hey what's what is a what is a christmas tree on a submarine you know i th i think that's i think that's that's worthy that's that's fair i yeah. so you know we we had already mentioned a few of the the tropes in this film and we had talked about them in run silent run deep because when we did ah. the review of that film we're like we're like oh this is a trope salad but when you really <laughs> when you think about it run silent run deep literally created the submarine movie genre um yeah, trope maker so <laughs> it, in this movie we have you know we have the the death charge scene we have the trash the gambit the yeah what? The, the trash gambit the trash where you, gambit you shoot, where they shoot oh. out trash and maybe a body to fool the enemy into thinking they sunk it 
You have the hot sub on sub action. You have the like <laughs> holding your breath moment as the sub does an, an emergency dive and just like barely clears underneath yes. the, the keel yes. of another ship. Um, yep. And my personal favorite, which is the torpedo skimming along the side of your sub, mm -hmm. making a loud mm -hmm. noise. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, so badass, just, salty submarine captain. <laughs> was of of submarine movie tropes, uh, Ken, what is your favorite submarine movie trope? Well, first of all, you're going to make me look up the word trope. It's it's something that gets replayed constantly within a it's certain genre. It's not as egregious as a cliche. It's more like a tool for a movie. Okay. Okay. Clichés are like fucking band-aids or locusts in a farmer's field. Um oh man, that is a good question. What is the the submarine cliche? Are you saying the submarine cliche that I have a problem with or submarine cliche that I appreciate the most? The one that when you see it in a submarine movie, you're like, yeah, <laughs> like, because <laughs> um, because for me, it's that torpedo skimming the side of the sub that I'm like, there we go. Now it's a sub movie. You know what? I, I didn't realize this until in the movie Greyhound. And I thought they depicted the the way that the you know German U-boats are very small or considerably smaller than U.S. submarines, and so in the movie Greyhound, they I I always got a, a kick out of just a submarine just coming out of the water or just going under the water, breaking the surface or just diving down, and. So in the movie Greyhound, they actually depicted some of these submarines coming up and just kind of bobbing left and right. Because as soon as you get the wave action, you know, applied to the hull of that small submarine, you know, you get that movement. That's that was my thing. So yours was a, a torpedo scraping along the hull. The other thing is the for me, the the. And they kind of did this in the beginning of U571, where the uh, German captain, you know, they've fired torpedoes and then he starts eating a peach. Ah. All nonchalant, you know, just kind of. <laughs> Wait, wasn't like, that wasn't that an orange that he was eating with like the skin and all? That was that was that was Das Boot. That was Das Boot, where the where the the chief uh the engineer or the I think it was the chief engineer or whatever. He sees that crate of oranges and he grabs it and bites right. You probably hadn't seen an orange in two and a half years. Uh, but yeah, so in U5, uh, U571, he's eating, I think it's an apple or a peach. I don't know. And he's just kind of nonchalantly, you know, it's like. Just, so just I waiting get, for the, the hit to register. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, uh, you know, like uh, Sean Connery in Hunt for Red October. You know, he sits in his chair and they're going through the uh, the caverns and he tightens his seatbelt. He's all relaxed and all that. I So the real calm, collected submarine captain, I kind I like that, too. So yours is the, the torpedo scraping along the side of the hull. Mine's is, you know, when it's just breaking the surface, whether it's diving or surfacing. What about Jack? What's your submarine favorite? Got to be the trash gambit like that. Shoot, shooting the trash out the tor shooting the, the clearing the bilge clearing the bilge of all the oil and shooting the trash out the torpedo tube and they they maybe load their dead compatriot into the submarine too to really sell it and they have this really oh, sad goodbye i'm sorry maslo <laughs> yeah 100 percent. the um 
there, yeah, there's always something we always key in on, but I, yeah, for me, it's the diving and the surfacing. Um, I got another one for you guys. Did you, did, did it cross your minds? Why did the German submariners, submariners, sorry, can't say submariners, submariners have these black ski hats on with the pom-poms? Because standard issue. Yeah, but know. why? Because the palms distract the enemy subconsciously. Like if they're aiming for your head, the enemy will subconsciously try to shoot for the palm until I don't fucking know. My first, my <laughs> personal theory is that Jack's an idiot. <laughs> my personal, my personal theory is that the Germans, as we have discussed previously, uh, very snappily dressed, and we all know that a knit cap with a palm on top is more snappy than just a regular watch. Oh, yes. Yeah. So mm -hmm. no, yeah, exactly. what is what is the reason for the poofball hat? <laughs> On submarines, compartments are so tight, they would wear those hats. And if they bump their head, the pom pom was supposed to add some extra protection. OK, that makes more sense than my theory. Yeah, you think? <laughs> <laughs> i don't know we'll have to test this sometime I, I actually i had to look that up after i saw this movie and i'm going why 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 would would why would they take the extra material to make a little ball on top of the hat there had to be a reason right and the, the, come to find out that's what it was is they they put those pom-poms on top those little knit balls on top of the uh, ski hats to you know if they bash their head during a depth charging or whatever it would add a little bit of extra protection i i will say one thing it's a weird thing to key in on but like anytime we have a german submarine in a movie i always love there's something about a u-boat commander's white cap and just the you know the way that it's kind of floppy it just it mm -hmm. it, it gives me that like rugged seaman um appearance <laughs> uh, appearance where it's like, no, this is like a sailor sailor, you know, versus like, you know, we see what the, the allies wear with their kind of more firm structured caps. And it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. They're officers, but like, they don't seem hard as nails without their white floppy hat. Yeah. All, all kind of like scrunched up. Maybe it's got some oil stains on it, you know, whereas the matter of fact, I actually had some, well, I'm not going to share my screen. Well, no, maybe I will. Hold on a second. I'm, I'm going to actually, I think I have the option to share a screen here. I think we're going to try this. Ooh, um, pod, podcast first. What? First time on the Is podcast. It? Yeah. We've never tried screen sharing before. Well, here, cause I, I, let me, let me see if I can do this. Holy so, oh, oh, snap. This is cool. What? For, for our listeners at home. It's, it's almost like a Discord server now. <laughs> so if you look, so there, this is a scene, and you know what? I know I'm doing your listeners a disservice because they can't see this, but on the American boats, they're in their, their khakis. You know, the one guy's got a tie on, you know, and then you think about the German cruise there's your captain with the white hat all pulled down you know got some stains on it and everything so these guys look like shit 
<laughs> and then you look at the American crews and they're, they're a lot cleaner, they're shaved, you know, it just, and it just kind of lets you realize how, how bad it was, you know, for the Germans, the conditions that they had aboard their boats versus the, the Americans aboard their boat. Now, what the problem with this is the fact that they were supposed to be aboard the S 33, which was a very old boat, right. but you know, they're all pressed shirts. Look, I don't, none of them are wrinkled. So one that, guy's wearing um, a tie. Also, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I yeah. Don't even, that's not yeah. the proper tie, is it? It should, it I should have been the know. same color, I think. I don't, I, I, you, you might have a point there. Oh, well, that, I, I don't know. Pedantics. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I, there was another thing I wanted to ask you guys about two other scenes. Jack, what was your opinion on which one do I want to ask you about first? What was your opinion on in the beginning of the movie, the Germans decision to machine gun the lifeboat? You know, I read somewhere that there's literally no recorded instance of this happening, at least at this time in the war. The Germans were surprised. The Germans were surprisingly boy scouts about surrendering at sea. German sailors. That's that's what I've always read. The German sailors were incredibly respectful <clears throat> of the enemy. The Wehrmacht, however, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's literally a war crime. And as far as I could tell, the the only reason they stopped like taking prisoners later in the war and like feeding them and shit is because the Americans would try to sneak guns on board when they were taken prisoner. Which is, again, that's called perfidy and is a very big no-no in the Geneva Conventions. Oh, see, I wasn't aware of that. But yeah, yes. that's, that's your word for the day is perfidy. When you feign a surrender, take advantage of the surrender to a, launch a counterattack against an enemy. It's punished more severely than killing unarmed civilians in battle. Fun fact. Well, I got trope written down here, so <laughs> we're an educational podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Something like that. And then the other scene was when the German scout plane was flying overhead, and you've got, you know, uh, the one character. Uh, I keep wanting to say Carpazzo, but that was Vin Diesel's character in <laughs> Private Ryan. The heck was that guy's name? The one that got shot out. Malazzo. What was it? I'm pretty sure it was Malazzo. You're close. Mazzola? Some something like he was the one that Matthew McConaughey like, punched, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. like, this so that, is that, not that's... a democracy. Oh yeah, yeah mozzarella. What the hell are you doing? This is not a democracy. Rabbit, get your finger off that trigger. You know. <laughs> so I, I, I also I like that scene a lot. That I thought that was pretty good. I don't, you know, has no bearing on historical accuracy or inaccuracy or anything like that. I just thought it was really well done. I, uh, so I guess terrible segue, but of our, our, of our actors, who, whose performance was your favorite in this film? Oh, I got, I, I don't know the, I don't know the guy's name. Oh man, there's so many. <laughs> uh, Seaman Wentz. 
Oh my god, that brings up a thing I completely forgot until this moment. Like at the be near the the beginning of the film, uh, they bring him in and they're like, you know, Sprechensy Deutsch kind of deal, and mm -hmm, he's like, mm -hmm, he's like, mm -hmm. yep, yep, I do. And then he looks over to Matthew McConaughey. He's like, please don't tell the fellows I'm half German. They'll hate me. Yeah. I'm like, motherfucker, your it, last name is Hirsch. <laughs> yeah, one your, your last, last name. Is your last name is Wedge. It's not yeah. not a fucking surprise there. Secondly, yeah. like, you, how big of a fucking German population does the United like? It, oh, huge! Uh, oh, big! Yeah. It, oh, like, yeah. We had such a large German immigrant population in the United States that we literally had to like custom tailor a uh, a propaganda campaign in the First World War to be like turn on the Kaiser like it just mm -hmm. the fact is like, yeah, like if they find out i'm half german they'll hate me it's like no they won't yeah asshole. yeah yeah <laughs> that, that that was only that was only the japanese you know you had all these japanese american oh, yeah, families we, a lot of, yeah we, we oh, treated them terribly yeah terribly Awfully. terribly but you know for him to say that you know i I didn't have a problem with that line. I, I, it did make me raise an eyebrow a little bit. It's like, really? I mean, hell, even the Pennsylvania Dutch spoke German, but, um, you know, I mean, we know what on. kind of rap scallions they were. Maybe yeah, exactly. Collaborators. <laughs> but I, so you asked me my favorite character, uh, characters. I like that, that Seaman Wentz character, you know, even when they're rowing over to the, the German sub and Hirsch clams up and he can't, you know, he kind of freezes and Wentz comes to the rescue. I, I like that the the I, I hate to say it I like John Bon Jovi's character I I'm um, severely disappointed because you know at this time like 90s and early 2000s was still the prime of like okay we're going to hire a big name musician to come up with a song specifically for a movie like i think the last time i really noticed it it was when like somehow lincoln park got roped into providing the musical score for all the transformers but um but he, he, didn't, he didn't do anything for those no i did no he didn't and that was what surprised me oh. it's like you got i don't know if he wanted to be in this or they're like hey let's get some so, i don't know how that worked out but i was As shocked and it I, was I, I think it was a Howard Stern. I think it was a Howard Stern interview. I, I heard where he was talking to John Bon Jovi because they're friends. And and I think Howard asked him if he'd ever been in a movie. And he 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 didn't really name it by name. He said, yeah, but I was in a submarine movie. I, I, I wanted to be in a movie. And he, he talking. I was in a submarine. Movie. Well, of course, that's U-571, right? So he wanted to be in it. He wanted to be in a movie. I. But I was just shocked that, like, when the movie ended, that we didn't have some custom Bon Jovi <laughs> song for it. But I remember uh, when I watched the movie, I texted I because I re I rewatched it last night, and I texted Jack at the first moment that I saw Bon Jovi come up on screen. I was like, I texted him the lyrics to uh, "You Give Love a Bad Name," but I was like, "You give subs a bad name, a bad name. <laughs> or something like Wanted Dead or Alive." Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, some others and I can't think of it, but I, I actually thought he did. I thought he did an okay job. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, there's better actors out there, but, um, and then the, I don't know if he was a Marine 
but that that major that was supposed to train them all before yeah where's our know, get them ready what happened to our training he... montage we didn't get a training montage <laughs> oh right that's, yeah that's, I, a, that's I another running seeing that that's a running yeah. joke we have here is uh you're gonna need a montage montage <laughs> Yeah, it's like I'm gonna be. I'm gonna go sailing with you boys. This is my luggage. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, it's a truck full of explosives. Yeah, I just, I just like that. I will say my least favorite character is, uh, and I feel bad because I really like that actor. I again, I can't remember his name for some reason. I, I just can't remember actors' names really. But the, the cook. Mm. Yes. Uh. I forgot. Yeah, the 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 American cook. I like that actor. I've seen him in a lot of stuff, but unfortunately, I thought that character was kind of forced, you know. Um, yeah. So, which I I had to look it up because uh, so his name is T C Carson. Um, is that his name, T C Carson? Yeah, I, that, I would have gotten the, that wrong. That, it's the top result I have on the Google Box machine, but okay. Um, I had to look it up because obviously uh for most of world war ii uh the navy was pseudo segregated so there were african-americans oh, who who served on warships with other like with white sailors but they were relegated to uh you know cook role cook, cook roles cooks, that kind of cooks, and jan- cooks and janitors yeah and so janitors. like Yes, they were on ships with, you know, air quotes, integrated ships, but they were given all the shit jobs to do. Um, well, case in point, Pearl Harbor, you know, Cuba Gooding Jr. played Doris Miller. Right. Who was a cook, you know, got made it up, made it up top, grabbed a uh, 20 millimeter, I think it was, you know, had no training on it whatsoever and shot down two planes. One of my favorite. In fact, they're going to. One of my favorite. They're going to name an aircraft carrier after him in twenty twenty nine. They're going to name a carrier after him, the USS Doris Miller. Yeah, the the first uh, non commissioned uh, sailor to have a carrier named that. Because because it's been presidents and then obviously like famous battlefields, but he's he's the first non commissioned member of the military service to have a carrier named after him. At least I think he is. Well, I mean, you'd have the the USS Franklin, and he Ben Franklin was not. Yeah, but I mean, he's a founding father, so I mean, that's. Yeah, I, I guess he had a little bit to do with the uh, creation of the U.S. Yeah, but yeah, I guess so. um, with him because I saw him, I was like, this feels a little out of place, so I, I had to Google it. But apparently, yes, there was still uh, African American. Uh, like mess stewards on submarines because i was like i was like submarines are super small ships that doesn't feel like something they at this time they'd want to integrate because you know still a very racist time in our country yeah yeah incredibly divisive and everything like that but you're you're absolutely right they did it no some of the stuff i'm talking about was the some of the force stuff like at the very end you know when they you know trigger drown you know tank comes up from the back you know engineering compartments trigger drown and matthew mcconaughey i'm talking what i'm talking about matthew mcconaughey says well he never he never gave up did he and then tc what's his name tc carson tc carson turns around it's like 
neither did you mr taylor or whatever his name was in the movie you know and those forced comments just like unfortunately they put them all on this one actor and i'm going oh i will i will say one great line he had really i think really demonstrates how african americans were kind of treated or seen as as lesser lesser people at this time which is he that? he comes up to Matthew McConaughey as they're first loading up the sub at the beginning of the film. Yep. And, you know, this is when Matthew McConaughey is doing his like, oh, I didn't get my own submarine thing. What um, was me? What was me? Yeah. Yeah. And so T.C. Carson comes up to him and offers him a cigarette. And it, you know, is supposed to show that, like, Matthew McConaughey is still kind of like one of the boys um, type deal. But... uh Matthew McConaughey and talking to T.C. Carson, he's like, you knew about this. He's like, oh, you'd be surprised the things I hear. It's one, you know, being a, you know, a yeah, mess when nobody steward, sees you. Yeah, like, it's yeah. nobody, seen, nobody seen sees, yeah, seen but unseen. And it's like, mm-hmm. I was like, that is a criminally underrated line in this movie that really shows, like, what, you know, how they're kind of treated in the service of I, that time. I'd agree with that. So who was your favorite character? Uh, let's go, Jack, what was, who was your favorite? You know, I actually like the black cook. He did got an interesting perspective on things. Um, rip trigger. R- you, wait, what? Rest R- 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 trigger. trigger. Oh, R- you like trigger? Yeah. R- R- like trigger. Our little bills swimmer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he actually had, Oh no! Wait, I'm sorry. I was thinking. Uh, it wasn't Trigger. It was Rabbit. Uh, Rabbit was the one that Rabbit and Wentz were the ones that uh, McConaughey told, "Hey, get that deck run. Dick, get that deck gun, man. We're gonna shoot out the radio shack on the destroyer." And it was Rabbit that said, "You know, gun ready all in all respects, sir, and all that." I like that character. I think with them picking trigger to drown i think they made a good choice if someone's got to drown i think it should have been trigger (laughs) wow (laughs) i I was good with that (laughs) man it just goes to show that whoever matthew mcconaughey puts his faith in dies You're right about that. <laughs> Imagine like in an alternate universe where Trigger actually does it and survives and he goes up to Matthew McConaughey. You were right, sir. I could do it. <laughs> he said, oh, I yeah. didn't mean you could do it and live and then shoots him. <laughs> uh, Fun tr- fact. Yeah, trigger me. We, we still need what? your body for the, the trash oh, yeah. for the trash. Deception. No, that was. That was mozzarella that they used. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The the guy that was shot three times. (laughs) So, okay. So your favorite guy was, your favorite character was the cook. Who was your least favorite? Um, That little German POW cocksucker that they kept around. Like. The captain? Yeah. He beats the shit out of one of you. He was the, he was the electrician. He's like. That's the cap. That's the captain. No, he was, he was, you guys know that. I thought he was, you guys know that, right? I thought he was the electrician. He said he was the electrician. Oh, right. Oh my God. That's the captain captain of the U-boat. Oh my God. I have never in all of my watchings 
yeah. made that well, connection. Like, I'm, gonna... I'm sorry. Oh, when my... a German man says he's one thing, I tend to believe him. <laughs> stand, stand by while I share my screen again. I and my my world has been shattered. Oh my god, it that's, is him. That's the captain. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I, you oh, so they they just fished some electrician out of the water. I and well, because the electrician was like he was a yeah. like, an integral part to the like in the opening scene because the entire uh mechanics crew dies in the opening scene. Yeah. So it's yeah. literally the electrician and then the scooter repairman that's trying to get the engine running again. Right, right, right. So no, wait, no, no, it was it was it was a captain because they, you know, even when they boarded the sub, it's like, all right, who's the captain? Who's oh, the captain? They wanted God. to find the captain. And he and he wouldn't he 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 wouldn't admit that he was the captain. And then all of a sudden they fish him out of the water and it's the captain. But I hope anyway. he, my my world has what do you mean? Wait, did Jack just say anyway? What my, I was my getting world to my is... point, like that little fucker, like beats up one of the crew members and then shoots mozzarella. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they just some they just keep him around still. And then he, then he does the predictable thing by tapping out Morse code, like I am U five seven one sync me, and that's when they bust his schnitzel with that wrench. <laughs> Yeah, the Hirsch Hirsch kills. I would have busted his shit in the library, killing mozzarella thing. He, uh, yeah, I don't know why they, you know, and put him into submission. How about we just kill him? Yeah, like fucking. <laughs> yeah, but I guess so... we needed to advance the plot and you know give a reason why they kept detecting us. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, let's see. I thought I had. I thought I wanted to. I, uh... I just want. I oh. I know this has been. I I know I've. I've had quite the reaction to this, but for the number of times I've seen this movie, the fact that only just now that I recognize and understand that it's, it's an earth shattering revelation to me. And honestly, it makes me feel less of a movie reviewer because of it. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. I've seen a bridge too far. I mean, I could be all dramatic and say hundreds of times. Obviously, that's not true, but I've seen it so many times. And it seems like every time I watch A Bridge Too Far, I pick up something new. And I look, I know the history of Arnhem. You know, I, 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 I there's a lot of stuff that I know, but it's just I know every time I watch that movie, I just pick up something new. And it just, it happens all the time. It's like, oh, how did I miss that? Or, oh, that's what they were talking about. And I'm sure there's, a, you know, there's other movies like that. Yeah, I can't think of any right now, but A Bridge Too Far is a perfect example of that. So, and then, and the, you know what? And then that's why I kind of like what you guys have going on here, because you talk about all these different movies that I've seen. Well, I haven't seen Horse, Horse Soldiers, you know, but in, in, in getting other people's perspectives, on these movies that I've seen so many times, you know, it's really interesting. And then you had, and I'll go back to it, that guy, Blake, when, you know, about, you know, when he was talking about a bridge too far, you know, the, the guy, he, he, his thing is doing these airborne reenactments, jumping out of these planes, all that stuff. And you get his perspective on it. It, I, I, I don't know. I just really like what you guys do. So then I hear these reviews 
you know, and we're, we're probably going to rank it. I don't know how many torpedoes or whatever you guys, you know, the ranking <laughs> system is going to be, you know, I just really like listening to your episodes because you hear these different perspectives from people that are just as passionate about these subjects as I am. And, and I get a kick out of that. So is it just me or is there always an Italian name on these World War II movies? Like, I feel like every World War II movie we've seen has like a Sergeant Boyardee Rigatoni in their ranks. <laughs> Mazzola. Um, Mozzarella. Caperzo. Yeah, or or Car Carpazza, Carpazzo, you know, Vin Diesel's character and Private Ryan. Um, yeah, I think you're right about that, Jack. There, there has to I be. Mean, yeah. They have to shoehorn an Italian in somewhere. I mean, yeah, there were a lot of Italian-Americans, too, at this time. How about, but they always, they always have to shoehorn, you know, like Band of Brothers had. Oh, the, the, like the New York, like. The, yeah. The New Yorkers. They're, all, yeah, they're I mean, always. And of course you had, you had Toy and you had Garnier and everything. Of course. I mean, that's, that was based on, you know, real people. Yep. So they really were from New York, but then you go to Private Ryan, which is a fictional, a work of fiction primarily. And, and you had. You know, again, those guys from like the one actor, he had Brooklyn, New York on his backpack, you know, so you got to have a New Yorker shoehorned in. So just as much as an Italian, you got to have a New Yorker. That's like, uh, have, did you ever watch King of the Hill much? No, no, I've didn't. never seen I mean, an episode. I know, I know what it is, but I've never seen it. I'm kidding. So I there, love that show. So <laughs> it's, it's one of our favorite shows. Um, both me and Jack, it's something that we've bonded over and and you had met you had asked this earlier but just as like a origin story for us you know you asked like jack what are you doing on this show so we went to college together um and where'd you guys go to school south university of south dakota uh the jackrabbits no no god damn it don't say that around <laughs> we we were the coyotes what? Oh really? Yeah, the jackrabbits are like, mortal enemies. You're like the third my, person my, we've said that to, and every time we say University of South Dakota, everybody always says, "Oh, the jackrabbits." And we're like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, you know, you know where I am, right? No, you're up in Minnesota. I'm in. I'm in. Mini, I'm in Minneapolis. Ah, okay. so so four four hours away from Sioux Falls, and I've got a very good friend who went to. SD well, hold on a second. Is it, it if it's the Jackrabbits you're thinking of? It's SDSU. SDSU. That, that's what he went to. He's a donor there and all that stuff. So that's what I thought you were talking about. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. So our our origin story is as, as John takes a big pull on his drink after that. Oh, I can't wait to tell our listeners what I've been drinking today. Um, <laughs> it's um, so we bonded over like as college kids do we we literally we would have like a movie night every single night um yeah. and so that's one of one of our things that really grew our friendship together is we always watch movies together well i got my degree in history from usd um so oh that's right you talked about that in one of your episodes that's right you yeah you're you majored in history no you minored in history no i i majored you majored yep. okay um so I got my degree in history and as lots of, you know, I'm closing in on, I'm 29 
soon to be 30. Um, you know, I, I had my midlife crisis a little early in my life. And so I did what anybody with a midlife crisis does, which is start a podcast. And I was like, <laughs> um, hundred percent, hundred percent. So I was like, <laughs> and right about the time I made this decision, one of my favorite podcasts that I listened to, uh, folded, uh, and what they did was they reviewed war movies. Um, and okay. so there was kind of like that gap where I was like, man, I, I miss listening to this stuff. So I was like, why don't I just do this? Well, I was like, I, I'm not going to do a podcast by myself. That's not any fun. So yeah. I, I went to my, my old movie watching buddy. And I was like, that's, that's how we got started. I was like, so yeah, like when we were in college, we, we do movie nights together. We used to go to this. Uh, the theater in the town that we went to college, it was a, a two screen movie theater. And we used to go there like every <laughs> other week. Yeah. Wait, they mm -hmm. have three screens now. Yeah, dude, they upgraded. Oh my God. We're going to have to. Are Jack, are you still in South Dakota? I am the capital. And what about you, John? Colorado. You're in Colorado. Okay. And Jackson, South Dakota. Yep. Yeah. I went, I went to school. I went to Ohio university in, in Athens, Ohio. And had had friend you know I, I studied mechanical engineering and you know not known for our social lives and i had friends like that too where you'd watch movies together and you know um definitely good time so i could see i could see why you drag jack jack into a mess like this yeah <laughs> you know? not to mention um, jack is he's he's big into performing arts like he he uh participates a lot with a local theater company too so I do really oh, oh, like what tell me more um, I love that stuff yeah I'm, the current production I'm a part of is clue like mm. I'm Wadsworth the butler really oh man it's gonna be the wow. hardest role I've ever had too that's fantastic oh yeah that's I love it what are some of the other roles you've done it's hilarious um I was Reverend Samuel Paris in the crucible last year mm, didn't I don't know that one I mean, I know, I know the crucible. I had to read the, read the book and all that stuff. So, yeah, um, that was a fun, one. uh, yeah, I know I did. I did theater stuff. Too. Loved it. Loved it. Uh, nothing in college, nothing in college. It was strictly high school. He also but... did uh radium girls. That was, did what? that was the first one I did for peer players. And it's about the radium girls scandal back in the twenties or thirties where the women would paint with radium paint on watches to make them glow in the dark and they would wet the brushes with their lips and and they'd get cancer from it yeah i can, I can imagine yeah no I, I i don't know that story wow yeah the, okay the remains of them are still radioactive really yeah <laughs> jeez well i you know, telling me that story about how you guys, you know, would watch movies together in college and now you've created this podcast, like you said, midlife crisis and all that stuff. I can totally identify with that. You piss me off a little bit, though, in in that I wish I wish I would have recognized my midlife crisis earlier. You know, I, I didn't start doing this until. I was 50, right? And here you are, 
you know, you're, you're, you're recognizing a passion or an interest or something like that. Of course, it's a lot easier to create a podcast than it was, you know, decades ago, but yeah, I, you know, I, I say good for you and, and to, to, to do this, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. First of all, like I said, in the beginning, I was really thrilled to get your email, but it's also exciting to, and I've said this several times throughout the course of this podcast, it's exciting or it's fun to talk about these things that we love movies, you know, with other people that are just as passionate about the subject, whether it's world war two or movies or whatever, you know, Jack's a hater, I guess. Yeah. But you know, and, and I sent you that email, John, I don't know if you recall, but I sent you that email about other people that I've come across yeah. after creating history X, you know, curators at other museums. And you could say, it's like, Oh, you know, they're probably stuffy guys. And, but you know, everybody loves movies. Yeah. And it's, and, it's like when I, I sent you that reply, I was like, I would say a, at least 75% of the people that we have on this show is by referral. Um, okay. You know, well, obviously there's, there's, you, there's a, you're screwed. Yeah. You're screwed because I've got so many people I want to send your way. <laughs> there was, you know, there's obviously some people that, you know, we cold called and sent messages to just cause we're like, take a shot in the dark. But you know, that's one of the great things about the history community is like, once you start talking to one person, they're like, oh, I know this person and I think they'd be cool. And it, it's a domino effect. So that, 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 that's happened to me so many different times when I want to dive into a subject. And the first time it really happened, it hit me like a ton of bricks, but you guys probably aren't familiar, but there's a, there was, I should say a B-29 bomber during at the, actually just after World War II that crashed up in Greenland, Northern Greenland. Yes. Oh my and, God. Yes. The keyboard. Yeah. That was, I'm sorry, I got very excited about that. I, well, I, and I've done some videos about it. The, and the, the Nova documentary about that, I, 100%. You're going to laugh at this. I also had a VHS of the Nova yeah. documentary about the keyboard. Yeah. Matter of fact, hold on a second here. So, Carl Hoffman, so Carl Hoffman wrote, uh, see, my, my camera's backwards. For some reason, my camera's flipped back for, you know. So Carl Hoffman wrote the book Hunting Warbirds, okay? And I want to hold this in front because you can't hear me. But So Carl Hoffman wrote this book. And I wanted to learn more about the keybird. You saw the Nova documentary. I don't know. If, Jack, did you see it? Do you know what we're talking about? No. I'll, okay. uh, I'll, I'll send you some of uh, Ken's videos about yeah. it. It's really interesting. Oh, did you see, did you see some of my videos about it? Uh, I saw some of the shorts that you had about it. Okay. Sure. Yeah. 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 So, and, but you saw, you saw the Nova documentary. You yeah. said you had the VHS. Okay. I wanted to learn more about the keybird. And if you look around YouTube, you realize there really isn't anything other than the Nova documentary and Nova documentaries are only 50, 55 minutes long. And you read a book like this and you realize there's so much more to the story. So I decided I start my YouTube channel. I, I don't know. I've got maybe 800 subscribers. I don't know what I'm doing. And I just decide I'm going to send, I'm going to send an email to Carl Hoffman who wrote the book. And 
Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I need to back up. So I created a couple of videos about the keyboard. And, you know, when you when you just get started, you're hyper focused on every little comment, you know, that right. people make, you know, some people will say it's like that guy just has a face for audio, he shouldn't, you know, only his mother could love that bald head, all this stuff. <laughs> so you get all these comments, you know, and you, you got to take them with a grain of salt and go to bed crying and all that stuff. Sounds like you got so, some stuff you need to, to work on therapy. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's just, yeah, that's it. my cat even, you know, looks at me and it's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but so, so I create a couple of videos about the keyboard and I get this comment about, Hey, well, it was really dusty back there and that's how the fire started. I would know I'm the one that was back there. And, and I just get chills up my spine. It's like, well, there's only one person that could be Bob Vanderveen. And lo and behold, it's Bob Van Vanderveen commenting on my videos. And I immediately sent him a note. It's like, I need to talk to you. <laughs> and he, so he allowed me to interview him. And then, and then after that, I contacted Carl Hoffman. Carl Hoffman says, sure, that's the book, first book I ever wrote. Yeah, I'll talk to you. And then Carl said, well, the guy you should talk to is, is Vernon Rich. And if you watch the, um, the documentary, Vernon Rich is the one that was leaking the propane out of the tire. And it's like, don't light any matches. Don't light a cigarette. Right. You know, that, that, you remember that guy? Yeah. So then Vernon and I talked to him for hours and then Vernon says, well, if you want to learn more, you should talk to, uh, Mark Jackson, you know, and then Mark Jackson says, well, you want to learn more and it's snowballs. And, 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 and that's the one thing I learned about, you know, you started this podcast out of a passion for, you know, the podcast you listened to was defunct or it went out and everything. And you picked up the ball, you started this podcast. Well, that's what I, I started this channel and you, you quickly learn that people want to talk about this stuff as long as they recognize that you're passionate about it and you're not trying to make fun of them or anything like that. Once they figure out, Hey, this guy's legit. Then they refer you to somebody else and then they refer you to somebody else. So you did these cold calls for people you want to have on your show. And then lo and behold, they have a good time on your show. And like me, I say, I got so many guys like, like, like Park Stevenson. He's been down to the Titanic so many different times, deep ocean explorer. He happens to be like a huge movie buff. Uh, he dresses up in all kinds of Star Wars characters, everything like that. Same with Tim Nesmith from the USS Kid. Never on the you Ocean know. Gate though, right? What's that? Said he was never on the Ocean Gate though, right? No, but God, did CNN and everybody was trying to interview him about that. I sent him a text. It's like, are you getting inundated with interview requests? And he said, he said, fuck yes, I'm not doing them. You know, because he didn't, because he's, he's the expert on the Titanic. I was going to say, it didn't stop James Cameron, but... What's that? It didn't stop James Cameron. Well, he was the advisor for Titanic. Parks was. Okay. With James Cameron. But no, he, he didn't stop him. He tried to make it as historically, you know, anyway. So Parks, you know, I'd love to have, I, I know Parks would love to be on your show. I, I know Tim, Shane, John Epp from the USS Slater. You know, they all these guys, 
you know, since you guys are as passionate about war movies as they are, they would, they would love to. So that's how, that's how all this stuff gets started. And, and so when you say you, you call, call a few people and then you get these referrals, that's exactly what happened with me in the beginning with the keyboard is you talk to one person. It's like, all right, that history X guy, he's not an idiot. He's kind of legit. I'll, I'll give you the phone number of somebody else till it got to the point where I got the phone number of the daughter of the mechanic that died. Really? You remember that? Yeah. You remember Rick Kriege who died with the blood clot, blood clot, you know, after that, that first season. Yeah. So then I got the phone number of his daughter and I interviewed her and 30 years later, she's still pissed about this whole thing. Rightly so. Right. And then I realized you gotta be careful. You're playing with people's lives, you know, their memories. And that's when I really had, to, I was so jazzed. I was so excited. And then I realized got to be careful sometimes. And I had to take a step back. So I've had, I have hours and hours and hours of interviews with these people that were there on that expedition. And I haven't done a damn thing with them because I'm still kind of rocked about that conversation I had with Haley, the daughter of Rick Kriege, the mechanic that died. Right. Anyway, sorry to bring the, no, sorry to bring the conversation down. We, we actually, <laughs> we had a moment like that uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we reviewed the movie, the outpost, which is about, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The outpost. Uh, uh that's, um, cop Keating in Afghanistan. Yeah. Afghanistan. And there was, yeah. there was two medal of honor recipients from that battle. Um, Clinton Romache and Ty Carter. And okay. when we were talking about the movie, you know, we're just doing our normal review. And in the the review of the outpost, you know, in that movie, they they portray Ty Carter as like this kind of shitbags and he has like a redemption arc type deal. And, you know, when we were talking about it, I was like, I I watched some interviews with him and he he didn't seem like a like all that terrible of a person. So I was I was just positing. I'm like, I'm curious like how much of that is played up. And like two days after we released the episode on our Instagram page, Ty Carter himself like liked our post. I was like, holy shit, I'm glad I didn't say anything like. Well, I mean, okay, okay, sure. You're glad you didn't say anything, but how did you feel when all of a sudden you realized he's commenting? on your podcast i was like holy shit i was not expect because i i didn't tag him or anything i just mm -hmm. you know i i did our normally our normal like hey new episode is out post and you know two days later i i see it pop up as ty carter moh official likes your post i'm like what the fuck like <laughs> makes you want to do more doesn't it yeah yeah it it it, re it really does and you know it's interesting even talking to you about the keybird it kind of makes me think i need to revisit all these interviews that i have and you know maybe that would be something that people would be interested in learning about for 2024 you know because these guys are dying like that the pilot of that that caribou plane that kept breaking down you remember that yeah and uh weird side tangent i you know i follow a lot of just aviation pages in general sure and mm -hmm. uh there was one page, I forgot which one it was, but they were, they did like a congratulations post for this dude who just got certified to be a command pilot for a caribou. And they're like, he's the youngest, you know, pilot alive who's certified to fly this airplane. And he's like 45 <laughs> years old. It's like, 
Oh, <laughs> this is this is going to be a kind of a lost skill, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, um, I tr I tried to, you know, caribous. They don't obviously they don't make them anymore, and Jack doesn't know what the hell we're talking about. But I tried to track that caribou that was used for that expedition. Turns out it was destroyed in Florida. It was chopped up just because it wasn't oh. flyable anymore. Yeah, but I have interviewed the pilot from that expedition. He lives down in Texas and he's in his 90s now. It, my, my point being, these guys, these guys aren't going to be around anymore. And so if you want to learn more about these subjects and the information's not out there, armchair commanders is going to be huge. And you're going to keep, you're going to get a larger and larger, larger audience, a larger and larger influence. And therefore you'll have clout that you can throw out there. So if you want to talk to somebody, what are you smart? What are you laughing at? We're all about oh, clout on this podcast. Yeah. Clout, clout yeah. chasing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Continue. but yeah, if you want to talk to someone, if there's someone you want to talk to, you're going to have a platform to do it. You're going to be able to, well, it's like, uh, you know, I, we we had uh, one of the actors from Band of Brothers on here, uh, Matthew. Leach. Who who you did? Yeah, yeah, we had. How did I miss that? We had Matthew Talbert. Leach. Uh, he played Floyd Talbert, the guy who gets bayoneted in one of the early episodes by his own soldier. Oh, the and they 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 do the poem about yeah. him, the night of the bayonet. <laughs> yep. Yeah, wait, um, you had him on. Yeah, yeah. We did. Uh, How did I miss that? We did Generation War with him, but he he himself also has a podcast. It's uh, We Happy Few podcast. Um, What's it called? The We Happy Few podcast. Um, we happy like the video games. Yep, we W E H. I'm not gonna. Uh, I, I'll send it to you. Um, please, please do. I, yeah. yeah, please do. So he he does a lot of uh, you know he does similar where it's like war media he also talks about the series and interviews other actors who are on that show on that series um but, he does huh? yeah okay um but we had him on and uh i remember <laughs> the, the funniest moment is you know the and this is to transition into our next little bit uh we were talking about our drink choices and one of our running jokes here is uh my favorite drink that i usually get is either sailor jerry's rum because uh are you familiar with sailor jerry so, I, I i i'm not so he, I, he was one of the pioneers of the american traditional tattoo style which is uh all of my tattoos are in that style so if you think of like the old school 1940s bold line tattoos, tattoos. He, okay. he, he's the one he was one of the early pioneers of that style um, and uh -huh. they named a, a rum brand after him. Uh, okay. But he actually, he was in the Navy himself and uh, he had a tattoo shop in uh, Hawaii. So like, literally, if you think about any sailor who got a tattoo in Hawaii from like 1945 to 1970, they probably mm -hmm. got it from Sailor Jerry. <laughs> that's great that's great um so i either drink that because i i'm like oh it's a great little history themed drink or there's a local beer company here in denver uh that makes a beer it's a raspberry kolsch beer but it's called mm. princess yum yum 
and I was drinking okay. Berry Noir, which is one of my favorite beers of all time. It's um, a sour ale flavored with mixed berries. It's like three of my favorite things right in one can. But so we paradise in a can, right? Yeah. So we're, we're sharing our, you know, he goes first and he's drinking some sort. I think he was drinking wine or an ale or something. And uh, I bring up my drink choice and... He, the look of english disgust on his face <laughs> i was like i'm like yeah i'm drinking princess yum yum and you could just see it on his face like if i was in the same room as you i would be kicking you in the head like <laughs> <laughs> and what he, he's this is in and this is in the the episode yes yeah. <laughs> oh i got i got it i gotta check and this he, out he, he literally <laughs> says that he's like man if you're in england you get the shit kicked out of you for ordering something like that <laughs> but, is, but is he an english actor yep. oh yeah very british but he was in wait wait just so i'm clear but he was in band of a brothers. lot of yep. a lot of supposedly american soldiers in that were played by british peeps, uh actors oh i didn't know that. i know right it's I so unfair that, that they can do our accents so perfectly and we can't do theirs yeah <laughs> yeah it's, that's like that christian bale uh you know him and his ability to do an American accent is crazy. I had no idea, uh, that, but um, but that that, Hugh that brings British either, right? Wait, wait. What about Hugh Laurie? He's British. British. Wait. But yeah, like for all of the seasons of House, I didn't know that he is. Yeah, he is. He's also a pretty decent musician too. My favorite, actually. Wow. Jack Rockland, Jack's dropping the facts. I did not know. <laughs> he's a, he's actually no. a, he has a pretty good, it's either blues or jazz, but he has, he has a blues or jazz album. That's actually very solid. Okay. Um, okay. But to transition into our next little segment, uh, our, our drinks for the day. Um, Ken, obviously uh, I had let you know about this, but because we're doing it earlier in the day, our drink choices have changed, but um and I need to tell your listeners, okay, normally these guys would do this podcast in the evening. I'm the one that screwed up the schedule. We forgive okay? you. Yeah, because tonight's football night and I, well, anyway. So normally when John sent me the email, apparently you guys do these things on Saturday evenings. Is that right? Or Sundays. Saturday or Sunday evenings, yeah. Okay. And 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 so I, I shook things up and John was nice enough to accommodate me. So we're doing this central time. We started at 11 a.m. So 10 a.m. my time. And Oh, that's right. Because you're mountain. Yep. Okay, good point. Good point. But so and, and I, I'm interrupting to, to, to make this point. So I made a latte. I've got, you know, my latte here. I don't I don't know if Jack actually mentioned what he's drinking. But before we went before you started recording, then, John, what do you got going on over there? So our last, our, and I was shocked. I was shocked. Go ahead. So our last submarine movie, obviously we had, uh, Greg who on Instagram, he goes by DBF DBF enthusiast. Uh, he works at the independent yeah. seaport museum. Uh, yeah, great up, great episode, by the way. He, yeah. And so I love that movie. He, he told us about what world war two sailors used to do because torpedoes used to be, uh the the fuel system was an alcohol based uh fuel and yep. so he said oh i make 
you know, they would mix the fuel from these torpedoes with Tang and they would call it torpedo juice. And so I was like, okay, we're, we're doing a submarine movie. I have a very specific, like, historical drink that I can try. So me, 10 a.m. on a fucking Saturday morning, I was like, you know what? Let's try it. Well, I don't obviously have torpedo fuel available to me. So I was... <laughs> you don't? No. <laughs> Shockingly. So I was like, what has got to be the closest commercially mm-hmm. available alcohol that I can get that would replicate this? And any anybody who's been a 19 or 20 year old who's illegally drank knows that the strongest alcohol in the world is ever clear. Ever clear. <laughs> so, which I haven't had since college. So, mm-hmm. and mind you, I bought it, bef- like I went out this morning got my like went and bought a coffee and then I went to the liquor store at 9 30 in the fucking morning to buy a bottle of Everclear looking like the most well put together alcoholic there ever was (laughs) and like I I got a look from the clerk too because you could tell that people who buy Everclear at nine in the morning from him do not look like Mm -hmm. I do they're Um, not role models (laughs) no Mm mm-hmm so i well wait are you saying you're dressed like a role model right now is that what yep. you're saying he's my role model <laughs> i just so, i look like a, so, a normal everyday guy but so yes in my glass i have fucking Everclear and tang and it's it, ken you can attest to this when i took my first poll of it this morning i was like <laughs> <laughs> so so i i yeah before we before john hit record i i did something very similar during the during the pandemic at the start of the pandemic it you know because that's kind of like when i started the youtube channel and i thought i was going to make an episode about it turns out it's just like ah, it's not that interesting but he's right you know they used or the torpedoes were fueled by uh i think one something like 180 proof denatured alcohol if i'm not mistaken Someone's going to have to correct me on that. I don't think I'm anyway, it's, it's off the charts. And so Everclear 151, you know, whatever I decided I'm going to make torpedo juice. Now, as I understood it, the sailors during the submariners during world war two, they, they did like grape juice. I'm sorry, grapefruit juice. Cause Tang Tang hadn't been invented until, you know, the astronauts. So in the sixties, but yeah, so they would, they would do grapefruit juice. And so I was all right. I don't really like grapefruit juice. Matter of fact, come to think of it, I don't even like 151. But for some reason, it seemed like a good idea. And so I mix them together. I think I did 50-50, which was mistake number four, probably uh, in this whole evening. And, and, And I realized it's like, whoa, way too strong. But I've got all this grapefruit juice and I've got this Everclear. I can't let it go to waste. So I basically kept drinking it throughout the whole evening. And, and I know how I felt the next morning. Hell, I know how I felt after 20 minutes. Now we've been, I'm sure you're going to edit the hell out of this. And we've been talking for close to two hours. So my question to you, John, is this, how do you feel now? I'm going to take a nap after this is how I feel. (laughs) And mind you, I I just have a stand a standard rocks glass yeah yeah yeah. um and i've i've been topping as i've been drinking it down i've been topping it off with more juice to cut you have to cut it 
but i uh-huh. i did what you did which was i did 50 50 i'm like god this is a terrible choice i'm not i'm not man enough to do that i thought i was turns out i'm not uh if we were doing this in the evening i would have probably a couple of old fashions lined up i'm actually a wine guy love wine and and when i when i was kicking around the idea of doing a youtube channel i I had a couple different ideas i i did a wine youtube thing it turns out i'm real i like wine but i'm not super passionate about wine i don't have the palate i you know i'm not an aficionado or anything like that you know but i i really enjoy it so i'd i'd but i'd probably have a couple of old fashions and what about jack i'm i'm doing dry january so no booze for me i'm drinking fruit punch and I had a um, a Mountain Dew earlier. Ah, oh, typical typical sailor's uh, yep. diet, Mountain Dew. Just delectable. Mm-hmm. You know, you, 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 <laughs> scurvy's no joke. You got to fight against it. I'm pretty sure this has vitamin C in it somewhere. Well, I'm hoping that, and and I'll unless you block me, I'll start sending you a ton of emails about what what episode are we going to do next. Oh, we'd love because... to have you back. Well, because, well, as you know, I've got a list of movies, but I would love to do it in the evening. And yeah, I'd have the drinks lined up and then it would be a, it's like, oh, he totally could have jumped that motorcycle over the bar. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? Just need to drop the clutch. Like, yeah. I'm, matter of fact, I'm going to go out and try it now. <laughs> so, yeah. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> that'd, that'd be that'd be fantastic so yeah next time when we do it in the evening we would uh we we'd do a proper um armchair commanders episode so i'm proud of myself well almost proud of myself for not mentioning it almost two hours into the podcast but the whole scene where they're securing the sub and firing off those automatic weapons inside the submarine they somehow don't lose their hearing <laughs> that part made my ears hurt (laughs) yeah uh, i actually have here's a little science tangent that i i wanted to go on and i don't know if you were going to mention this ken but uh go ahead have you ever have you ever are you familiar with a guy named colonel grossman no that name sound no well, I'm, I'm just gonna say no for the sake of time okay. but so i want to say that name rings a bell so colonel grossman uh he was with the, uh, with the united states military i'm surprised i've only gotten that tongue-tied up to this point um but so his big thing is he's a psychologist and he's written two very popular books one is called on killing and the other one is called on combat and literally his entire area of specialty or his forte is examining how the human brain reacts to these high stress situations such as you know combat taking a life or uh what have you and one of his big things is teaching and talking about like stress inoculation where it's like you know you take like take firemen they practice in they're called burn towers they're buildings that can be set on fire time after time after time so that firefighters can get experience putting out fires and be exposed to the stress of being in a room engulfed in flames so that you know 
when they're out in the real world, you know, air quotes, and they go to their first house fire or whatever, they're just like, it's a Tuesday, whatever. Um, but one of the other things he talks about is the human reaction, like stress reactions to certain situations. And one thing that I've found very interesting is uh, this theory called auditory exclusion. So basically the idea of it is, you know, Jack, you mentioned, man, how are they not deaf from firing machine guns from inside of uh, inside of a submarine in that closed space? And the idea of auditory exclusion is basically your body is so stressed out and in a survival mode that basically your your body won't even register those noises. And when it's over, it's like, you know, it's like if you were to go out hunting or something and you fire off a rifle, you get the like ringing in your ears or whatever. The idea of auditory exclusion is that that ringing wouldn't exist because your body was in such a heightened stress mode that it's just like, nope, we're, we're cutting these like X, Y, and Z issues out. So you can just function. You're saying, you're saying the, or possibly the adrenaline that would be associated with, with whatever, you know, the reaction is to what's going on kind of shuts out certain sensors or, you know, yeah. uh, in your body. And that's why that, yeah all right i mean i can't argue with that maybe but you still can't ignore the fact that there is a i mean you can't get past physics yeah absolutely you you can't get past physics and and i'm no weapons expert but if you're firing multiple submachine gun shots forget about the grenades because the grenades that they threw in, apparently, you know, the Americans were outside the hatch, the Germans were inside the hatch. So grenade, obviously, but even those bullets, you know, would have a certain concussion effect. And I would think blasted eardrums. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I just, I think Jack makes a good point. It's like, how, how were they still able to hear? But I don't think auditory hey, exclusion would necessarily work in the premise of this movie, but it is a it is a, a thing that's been explored in other like combat settings though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um I thought I had another one written down kind of along the lines of what Jack was talking about. Um well I mentioned talking about like the equalizing valves and all that stuff creating that noise. That would have been a god awful screech. You know, but... I'm shocked. Like I get it. The people who raided this sub are also submar- submariners. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I, I learned do not use the term submariner. Why, do why not. not? Is that taboo? I always thought it was submariner. Submariner. That sounds so screwy. But in interviewing someone, uh, it was Park Stevenson, I think it was, and he actually, after graduating from the Naval Academy, he actually, you know, served on a submarine, if I'm not mistaken, and. I think I asked him once because I he was being nice to me and I used the term submariner and he kept saying submariner and he stressed it. I finally asked him, I said, what is the right term? And he said, when you say submariner, you're saying they are a subpar mariner. Ah, okay. And I'm going, oh, versus submariner. One who's submarine. That's- yeah, you're you're serving on a submarine. You are a submariner. I'm going, okay, I am never making that mistake again. 
anyway go ahead um you know i get it that the the people who are raiding this u-boat are also submarine crew members but like yes you know having read um like autobiographies and just other historical books about submarines like these are some of the most complex pieces of machinery and equipment you will ever see in your life and it's like you you mentioned you you've toured a u-boat i i've seen the uh, uss pampanito out in san francisco and it's just mind-boggling all of the stuff that they have in there it truly is like when you're like oh this has like 40 or 50 dudes on this boat you're like yeah they need every bit of these guys to make this function so i think that's one of the big things that kind of kills me about this movie is the idea that these six dude five or six guys hop into a submarine and they have one like two guys who speak german they're like okay this is this valve this is this valve this is this valve and suddenly they can operate it perfectly as if it was their own sub and i'm like no guys no like <laughs> i mean for god's sake the germans had a toilet so fucking complex that it sunk one of their own boats like let's not mm -hmm. pretend like these al like allied sailors are just going to pick up operating a u-boat like off the top of their head i mean yeah it's death yeah. on the line you learn right fucking quick <laughs> you um did you see that message across the top yeah you're you're back occasionally it'll do that but um wait have i been fading out no that's the only time it happened for you oh okay as long okay. as i as long as i see you on the screen basically what it'll do is when we get into these longer recordings it occasionally drops and picks you back up and basically it like segments it oh. so we're, we're good well, we're good I, I apologize. Yeah, that's probably my fault because I keep asking you guys questions, and and that's probably not what you're used to. So no, I'm, we... I'm the one that's been dragging it out. So I apologize. No, we dig it. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but I've I've really enjoyed being on here. It's been a lot of fun. Um, uh, when do we get to rate? First of all, what's going to be our rating system? And 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 are are we going with how many torpedoes we like the movie? I mean, we can um unless there's something that really stuck out to you in this film that's kind of silly um you know previous uh ratings have been kind of off the wall such as uh how many how many eggs oh my I god that, i thought the, how many you could seen so how dumb. many correct eggs man you're just like, wasting yeah food. how many yeah like every how many like everyone on that sub already knows what pressure does to a sub that's like day one oh, but they, they had to explain it to the movie audience right. so you know mazola you will be eating powdered eggs from here yeah, on asshole out. <laughs> i was gonna eat that <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna cook with that um let's see uh if it's not gonna be torpedoes how many um i i like that how many uh crushed eggs <laughs> how many yeah for for those of you that haven't seen u571 you'll see yeah, they make not only one egg reference, but two in the beginning. Remember when the cook says, oh, man, pick up the eggs with both hands. Oh. It's like that poor actor. They gave him the worst lines. <laughs> yeah. Look, I love the movie. I love the movie, but I also love shooting holes in it, too. Yeah. And there were there, there's plenty of holes to be shot, but it's it's a great movie. Anyway, what? 
Um, one to five. I, think, I think cracked eggs. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess Jack. I'm gonna guess Jack's gonna give it a two. I was gonna be generous because I will admit the movie's slightly better than I remember it watching from watching it in seventh grade history. I was also gonna tell you about Mr. Becker's history class because you asked about that in the last episode, John. But, oh yes, I. We had mentioned that yeah, you know this is where he first saw it. So to be Kurt, uh, okay. to be Kurt with my ratings, I'll give it a two point five. Like two cracked eggs. Oh, we can do decimals. Two oh, cracked absolutely. eggs, but two cracked eggs, but one of them does that thing where you try to crack an egg. You're a bit too forceful and get a lot of egg bits in the egg that you're trying to cook with. It happens, yeah. happens to all of us, yeah. really. But it anyway, does. so <laughs> Mr. Becker's history class. Wait, no, this wasn't seventh grade. This was freshman, whatever, freshman year of high school. I get the two confused. But a lot of our curriculum was watching movies. Like we watched this movie. We watched uh, Schindler's List. We watched, Ooh. yeah, I know, heavy shit. We also watched um, Saving Private Ryan. All of these were in the same unit, mind you, our World War II section. Um, we watched... This sounds like a great history. We watched class. 75 to 80 percent of the Ken Burns documentary on the 50s. That, that, that was actually really fascinating. I love that part. Um, Ken, Ken Burns does great stuff. Oh, yeah. Great stuff. It, it's an investment, though. <laughs> like, what, mm -hmm. 10 hours? <laughs> Each one, yeah. But like that one he did on the national parks. I don't know if you guys saw that one, but well, fascinating. Well, obvious, obviously it's hard to you know the the masterpiece that everybody references which is a civil war series but mm -hmm. See, i also i, I really I, loved his uh baseball documentary I, never saw it never saw it but i'll check that i'm out. aware the, of the meme go ahead john oh i was gonna say it's just the the beginning and early days of american baseball but continue jack I'm well aware of the meme that he inadvertently spawned from the Civil War series where the it's like I think it's called Ken Burns movie making where it's just super close up shots of historical figures and sometimes it pans to give movement. I shit you yeah. I shit you not on the on I the iMovie maker that is a listed effect. So if you go onto your iPhone and do like iMovie you can literally push a button that says Ken Burns mode and it will do that effect on whatever your video is. Well, that's how I edit most of my videos. I use iMovie <laughs> and I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's the Ken Burns effect, you know, cause a lot of these photos and everything you've, you got to zoom in. Yeah. It's the Ken Burns effect on iMovie. Ooh. And another thing about Mr. Becker's history class. Um, one of the bitches of the class she was like she was a, so fucking annoying but i want names she <laughs> now i'm not gonna name names on here on like the maybe oh. chance that she has it but she kind of had a bitchy first name that's all i'm gonna say but becky. john will it's it becky out. isn't it it's so Karen. john it's promise Karen. me you'll edit this out but yeah her name i'll put was, a bleep i'll put a bleep in her name was <laughs> what what yeah i know but anyway so yeah it sounds like at the at, when it came time for the finals for that class she got a 95 percent, and she was like all full of herself like yeah i probably got the highest score in the class and then mr becker not even looking up well you got to try harder to beat jack's score he got a perfect score i'm like haha 
suck at sit and spin. <laughs> but anyway, this sounds like a great. I never had a class like this before. We watched movies all day. We and... also watched um, Pleasantville for our unit on the fifties. Any, anybody Pleasantville. Pleasantville? No, no. So no, uh, it stars Toby Maguire in one of his early roles, and it involves a kid who's obsessed with this getting one's... bitten by a radioactive spider or no shut up <laughs> he's obsessed with this one sitcom from the 50s and it's <gasps> i've seen this. yeah it's... i know what you... yeah i've seen him this. and his bitch sister get transported into the universe of that yeah, they show get sucked in somehow yeah and she starts changing things and it's yeah it's just... it's all about conforming everything everything's like in those pastel colors then yeah right? and it starts out black and white and very rigid yes. but then it gets color the yep. more she teaches them about breaking the mold saw that yeah i mean it's been a long time but so i saw that you yeah. remember that scene where she teaches the mom about masturbation i think i would have remembered that no no this seriously happens like she teaches the mom about masturbation in that universe and the mom tries really? it and blows her own fucking mind. And for whatever reason, the tree outside catches on fire. And during that scene, <laughs> Mr. Becker stands up and says, I got to go make some copies. And then leaves the room for that scene. Oh, and whenever there was a you're, scene like that. Your teacher, your teacher made his get Yeah, whenever there was a sex scene in one of our movies or something problematic, that's what he would do. He was just boogie. And mm -hmm. <laughs> that scene in uh, fucking schindler's list which by the way if we ever review that again i vowed to never watch that movie again but i might make an exception whatever but well that's why that my scene... wife my wife is uh she is proud i wish i shouldn't say proud but she's made a point of it that so she hasn't seen schindler's list and, oh, she and she refuses to see it at this point because she loves how mad it makes people hearing that. It just makes it's me like, depressed. Because there's like a family member that's like, this is the greatest movie of all time. You have to watch it. It's like, no, I'm good. Just she does it purposely now just to piss people off. Our, um, I have a movie like that. Matter of fact, my girlfriend just did this a few weeks ago. Pissed me <laughs> off. She's so stubborn about it pissed me off but schindler's list fantastic movie i've watched it many many times many times and and enjoy it for so many different reasons i i, I sh it's probably sinful to use the word enjoy but appreciate it for so many different reasons okay just a fantastic movie liam neeson all that stuff and of course it introduces uh ralph fines oh, to God. the world he did an amazing but, job Oh, incredible job. But I think which I think the part you're going to talk about is the um the the blonde. They have the blonde. She's like topless or something. Yeah, like that's that. what I was going to bring up. Like that scene that yeah. is the establishing shot where that fucking asshole like picks up a sniper, does some stretches and just casually shoots some Jews for fun. And then it cuts to her that's with with her tits out yeah and the aforementioned yeah, girl yeah. who was the bitch of the class was like oh you need to turn this off what yeah blah, blah, blah. she apparently called him a rat <laughs> but i don't called who a yeah rat? i don't remember that for for showing tits in the oh, oh in the movie yes yeah 
something like that. It's art. <laughs> yeah. Is it black and white? Oh, yeah. It's obviously art if it's in black and white. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that happened to me a couple of weeks ago where, um, um, so my, my girl, uh, my girlfriend, uh, how did that work? I, every year I watch the movie love actually. Okay. Love best Christmas movie ever. Jack's I've laughing. never seen it. What about you, John? Have you seen love actually? Uh, I can't, I don't Hugh, Hugh Grant, Liam Neeson, Billy Bob Thornton. Um, I don't think so, but I, I totally get the, like having a, a list of films that you watch every year. Yeah. If you haven't seen love, actually, you got to watch it. it. It's got a bunch of huge names. It's got, uh, the guy from walking dead, uh, that plays, uh, Rick mm. Grimes, yeah. Lincoln, Lincoln, whatever the hell it's got a lot of big names. Like I said, Liam Neeson, Billy Bob Thornton, fantastic Christmas movie. She dug her heels in, refused. I mean, talk about stubborn. I even sent her just like a two minute, two minute segment from YouTube. You know, you got to watch the scene. You know, Hugh Grant, he plays the prime minister. Billy Bob Thornton's the president. And they're, you know, she, nope, not watching it, not watching it. So then here's here's your family member. Who, who was it that refused to watch Schindler's List? Oh, no, it's yeah, your it's wife. wife. Your wife. I don't, I don't feel I, as strongly they, about Schindler's List, but it's just annoying that she uses it to it piss is. people off. It, it, it is. It is because, first of all, everyone talks about Schindler's List. It's a historically significant film. You know, I do not. I do. If you look at my videos on History X, you'll notice I do not do anything about the Holocaust because it's a subject that I don't like to touch. But I feel everyone should, should see Schindler's List. And then here's your wife. No, nope. no, nah, I'm good. I'd rather watch Up Periscope or down periscope or whatever movie the lesser known sequel yeah <laughs> now it's funny i'm starting to like jack's not so bad you know <laughs> i'm an acquired jack's taste. like jack's like hall in band of brothers you know you know all of a sudden hall goes uh up yours garnier and goes ah, i like this kid yeah. don't you, you remember hall in the yeah. beginning the, you know was he the one that got nope. himself shot because he wanted that uh luger no he's the one that, no 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 that was that was Hubler. Oh, he got yeah. Hubler. He got grenaded in like the second episode. Yeah. So Hall was the one that Damian Lewis um, came across in the beginning. You know, because he's from he was from Abel Company, and um, Winters was from Easy Company. So Hall was the first one that he came across, and he's walking around, and Hall goes, "Sir, do you have a weapon?" You you probably don't. Yeah. Know. No. He, Jack doesn't know. He, this is the same scene where he's like. Is like we're lost, aren't we? It's like, no, we're not lost. We're in Normandy. We're in Normandy. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. guy. So the, Which but fun yeah. fact and Gar Garnier Garnier hated his guts because he wasn't from Easy Company. Right. And then Hall started talking back to him, and Garnier goes, eh, I like this guy. <laughs> so you're 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 my uh -huh. Hall. I don't really like Jack. I mean, I <laughs> um, yeah. I feel I feel Jack hasn't really brought anything to the podcast in any way, shape, oh. or form. And now it's like all right, all right, you know. The unknown sequel for Down Periscope Man, or Up just, Periscope. Just so. not holding back there. Damn, tell me how you really uh, feel. That hey. Hey. No, I I you guys have been a blast. Fantastic. So um so Ken, what is your what's your egg rating for this film? Oh, that's right. Fuck We're supposed to be rating this movie, right? <laughs> I'm gonna go. 
I'm going to go four cracked eggs out of five. All right. And the reason I won't go five is because of I'm okay with the inaccuracies. I, you know, as I said in the beginning, I feel the story needed to be told for so many different reasons, you know, whether it's the, you know, teach people about the enigma, just get people off the street uh, that aren't interested in World War II to even just watch the movie. So I think there's value to that. But I think there are other movies that do an even better job of that, like Saving Private Ryan. And I don't think that you can put u571 and saving private ryan on the same shelf i think you got so that's why i give it i think i i think you do too because you're either diminishing saving private ryan or you're elevating u571 and and i'm purely going at it from getting people off the street i don't think schindler's list is the kind of movie that brings people off the street to learn more about world war ii no matter if it's got liam neeson in it or not no matter if it's got topless women in it or not it's still about the holocaust right but saving private ryan u571 uh greyhound memphis bell i feel those are all movies that get people to watch about or learn more about world war ii but i i just i just think it it can't be on the same level as saving private ryan so i'll give it four out of five so so oh go ahead i i still have to get my egg rating jack Hold on. I feel, I feel like we're forgetting something. Do you, do you guys know what? What? I think we're forgetting someone, but I can't put my finger <laughs> on it. So I want to, for my egg rating, I, I want to split the difference between you guys. Because I think ultimately to rate this film, it comes down, you know, like we've, we've talked a lot about it, which is how do you want to look at this film? You know, if we're looking at this as being history forward and historically accurate, it, it obviously is on the lower end. If we're looking at it solely as an action film, it perfectly fits the bill for what an action film needs to be. And, you know, agreed. Agreed. I think, I think, you know, and we've used this descriptor quite a few times, which I don't know if you've listened to an episode where we've used this descriptor before, but I think this falls into the pork chop movie metric, which is, and I, I knew that this was a pork chop movie when Jack texted me yesterday before he went to go watch it because he got off work and he, or no, he called me, but he was like, yeah, I'm just going to swing by the grocery store and get myself a big steak and cook it. And I'm going to watch this movie. And, you know, the pork chop metric, it comes from the podcast that I originally inspired me to do this, where, you know, you use it as a, it's not necessarily a good movie. It's not a bad movie, but it is a movie that you enjoy. And I, I find myself in that position where I enjoy this movie because I like sub movies. I like World War II movies. It's a, it's a fun action film. His, history issues aside, tropes aside, it's a movie that I enjoy. And like Jack did yesterday where he cooked himself a nice steak and sat down and mm. watched this movie. That's what I would do with this. It's I have the house to myself. I'm going to put this movie on and I'm going to have a glass yeah. of whiskey and cook myself a chunk of meat. So... Mm-hmm. For that, I, I give it three cracked eggs. 
It's not good. It's, it, or it's not fantastic, but it's not bad, you know? I'm insulted. <laughs> I, uh, so wait, so Jack gave it, what did you give Two it, Jack? Two and a half cracked Three eggs. Three and a half? But two cracked eggs and one of them has the eggshell still in it oh that's right that's right it. that's right yeah so you only gave it three man and you're a submarine guy you're a submarine movie are. guy you only gave it three. it's oh jack i apologize jack i didn't know you were a submarine movie fan too i didn't know it's that. one of those things that's like yeah i i i like this movie and i enjoyed it but if you think about other submarine movies that exist such as run silent run deep Doss Boots, The Hunt for Red October. It, I enjoy it, but it's it doesn't even come up to the tier of those submarine films either. I think. No kidding, no kidding. You would rank U five seventy one below Hunt for Red October. Granted, Hunt for Red October is trying to it accomplish something was. different. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know maybe hunt for red october might be it it's hard because hunt for red october is its own kind of little side diversion in the submarine genre but if if Has, have you guys ever had anyone ask you when it comes to hunt for red october have you ever had anyone ask you so when did this really happen <laughs> not yet thankfully you haven't no. oh oh i was i was dating someone and she said uh when when did this happen <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, I think we're done. Man, who knew that? <laughs> that was the end of that. Who moment. knew that uh, Baldwin was an American hero like that? Like, oh my god! I didn't yeah, know Sean Connery defected from the Soviet Union. So, but anyway, sorry to interrupt, John. But Go yeah, ahead. so I think, I think three is. I I enjoyed it, but there are still things that are are left to be desired. I think. You guys are a tough crowd. So, all right. Like I said, I'm going to insist on coming back and I'm going to, obviously I'll pick a different movie. You're going to but... fit on the movies we love. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's like, it's like trying to get, um, it's like trying to get someone close to you, like your wife to watch Schindler's List or my girlfriend to watch Love Actually. I'm going to try and get you guys to love, you know, like I, I go back to my list. I had Where Eagles Dare, Von Ryan's Express. Uh, Great Escape, Memphis Bell, Greyhound. I'll get one that you guys will like. That's fair. So, Jack, yeah. What, what does what, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> well, we'll we'll get to that. Um, Jack, what does Ron Tomatoes <laughs> give this? I'm glad you asked. Oh, um, I forgot about that. Yeah, what does Rotten Tomatoes? Do? So the tomometer for U five seven one is at sixty eight percent, and the audience score is at sixty two percent. Oh, usually the audience goes higher. Yeah, and I I find myself agreeing more with the audience than I do with the critics. After the critics lied to me about the Last Jedi, but what did they say about the Last Jedi? They rated it higher than almost any other Star Wars movie. But when it came out, the audience viciously disagreed. Wait a second! Wait a second! Wait a second! You had a New Hope. Empire no. Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Last Jedi what was is in the third trilogy with uh, Daisy Ridley. The ret uh, Return of the Jedi is what you're thinking of. 
No, 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 no. It, you had a New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return mm-hmm. of the Jedi. Okay, Jabba the Hutt, all that stuff. Then yeah, Phantom yeah. Menace. But then the, Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Okay. And then, then it was a New Hope. No, 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 Force, no Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Then it was. Well, but what, what John's doing is he's grouping it in, mm-hmm. as the movies were released. So you're saying in that third release of movies was The Last Jedi. Yep, yes. it was the second one of the new trilogy. Okay, okay. You know what? You, you, need to have, you need to have Tim Nesmith on from the USS Kid, the destroyer that's down in Baton Rouge, uh, Louisiana. He is a Star Wars freak. Hey, Star Wars are war movies. Like, it's literally in the name. Well, and if you think about it, Star, Star Wars, you know, it's historically, I mean, because it happened a long, long time yeah, ago it, in the land far true. away. How can we disprove and, it? Yeah. So, so we were doing a video podcast that we do Museum Ship Mafia. I don't know if you, you're familiar with that, but I do it with these other museums. And we had Tim on and we were talking about um, if we could do it like, I forget how it came up. And I said, well, you could unearth a Star Destroyer on Tatooine. And he said, Jakku, Jakku. I'm going, I don't even know what you're talking about. It's the other, one of the other desert planets, but. Yeah, yeah. So obviously I got it wrong. There are no Star Destroyers on Tatooine, apparently. But Tim Nesmith, uh, the supervisor of the USS Kid, knew that. You know what is, you know, this, this film did generally get a decent critical reception minus Parliament, uh, because this, (laughs) <laughs> Believe it or not, this film won an Oscar. It did? Yeah, for uh, sound editing. Okay. Oh. Hey, do, it, an Oscar is an Oscar. Let, yeah, well, <laughs> take your victories. That, it, ha- it had to beat somebody else, right, to get sound editing. But when I look at... Uh, when I look at images like i i i like you know because this had this this was done a long time ago and so when you talk about cgi obviously um, for those at home uh ken brought up his his powerpoint which props to you you're the first yeah. one person we've ever had to have a powerpoint ready for us <laughs> oh well i hope i hope that's an indication to you guys how excited i was to jump on here because i thought it'd be a lot of fun uh wait not this <laughs> one but you know i mean when you talk about what went into making this movie i thought it would have been when when jack was that you that said it got an oscar John, John, I, yeah. you know one of you guys i thought it would have been something for more like cgi like set designer something like that yeah oh yeah set design because when you look at stuff like this you know i mean obviously a lot of work went into the accuracy of the set you know what makes what that reminds me of is you know you're flipping through a a few of different uh photos cut scenes and whatnot um they built a giant model of a u-boat for this film and it's like 50 or 60 feet long and it still exists a military surplus store in california owns it and it's like out front of really yeah it's like in their parking lot on display um no i will kidding. send you the link to a video of it um but uh-huh. i've always i'm like man if i ever hit the lottery you know what's the first fucking thing i'm buying is a 60 foot long replica of a u-boat to put in my front yard like <laughs> i got i've got the best fake u-boat story and you guys may know this, okay? 
So the, you know, how much, I don't know how much you know about Das Boot when they were making Das Boot, okay? But it, that was originally supposed to be an American production. And they talked about um, Rutger Hauer or maybe Robert Redford playing the captain and, you know, all this stuff. Turns out it ended up with the German studio and they made it. And it turned out to be one of the biggest German production, movie productions ever. So they got this, this U-boat, fake U-boat, obviously that they're using to film Das Boot, right? And did you hear how it got stolen and who stole it? No, I was not aware of that. You didn't hear about this? So, so the production, the, the director and the actors, they show up, you know, to the pier, you know, to film some more. Where the hell's our U-boat? Where's our submarine? And it, you know, how do you lose a submarine? How do you, yeah, how do you lose a submarine? You know, you leave, you leave and, the hatch open. Yeah, from Hunt for Red October. You know, Vasily, you lost another submarine. No. So it's like, what the hell happened to our submarine? Well, guess who stole it? Steven Spielberg. Why did he steal it? I I don't know. What what was he doing that he, he Jack? needed a U-boat for? Well, obviously, Jack, obviously what? for the Enigma machine, right? Nope. Shit. Nope. Ra- Raiders of the Lost oh Ark. Oh. So Harrison Ford's got to climb on the submarine, right? Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, uh, yeah, apparently Steven Spielberg had a contract for the submarine and he was either late or early. And it's like, all right, we're ready to film. There's our submarine. Let's go. And he took the submarine. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. Yeah, it's like, well, no one's using it, so I'm taking it. I mean, we've all been before. I was going to say, Grand Theft Auto got intense. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I love little stories like that. I think that's great. All right. So, uh, so all right. Well, so Jack, I, I've, I, or, yes, that's me. You, well, I was, I was going to say, you probably, you guys are probably hating me now because I keep asking you no. questions and dragging this out. I was just going to say, um, uh, Jack, it's about that time to announce our next film choice which it's your turn and uh i know you had texted me a little teaser of it which is back-to-back sub films baby hell yeah um what are we doing we're are you guys reviewing doing? the movie below oh. <laughs> I, I think I've seen that. I hey, can't it's... believe we are going to be reviewing a. I how do you get Zach Galifianakis in a war film? How does that even work? I don't know. Asking his agent. What's <laughs> <laughs> that? Is that on Netflix? I don't know. But, anyway, um... no. I think it's not, I think it's I think it's Amazon Prime. I, but I I have seen it. I've I've never seen this film so. Um, I don't know. I was sold on the whole premise of a submarine horror movie. It's like aliens, but submarine, but submarines and unit. I love submarines, but even I have to admit they're all, they're all kind of the same. You know, they start off pretty strong, but then the whole thing goes under. Wow. Tough yeah, crowd. Very, very clever. Jack. <laughs> hey, Good for you. Though. Do you know what the difference between a good submarine and a great submarine is? The great submarines come back up under the from under the water. That's right. A good submarine goes underwater. A great submarine comes back up. 
Well, you guys are just cracking yourselves know, up, we're aren't just you? Regular comedians here. <laughs> well, it's like that line in U five seventy one. It's like, oh, she'll go right to the bottom if we don't stop her. <laughs> that was pretty funny, but also I was gonna mention this but forgot that part near the end. What the fuck was it that Harvey Keitel said? It was like, sir. If you ever need a chief, I'll sail with you anytime. Oh, yeah. Fuck off, Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Chief. Yeah. I will say, I um, I did love Harvey Keitel in this. I I always loved the yeah. like grizzled sergeant, or you know, in this case, it's the chief. Um, I'm I'm really sad he is no longer making movies. At least, and it, I because I really I can appreciate somebody. I really who, enjoyed him. Yeah. I, but I can appreciate somebody being like, hey, I'm I'm calling it good. Because it's like, take Michael Caine, for example. He announced his retirement last year. And it's like, no, I love Michael Caine. But he's also in his 90s. And it's like, I respect yeah. the fact that he's well, Harvey, he's like, I don't know how good of a performance Harvey, I can Harvey give. Keitel, Harvey Keitel, didn't he, didn't he go the same way? Uh, didn't, unfortunately, uh, same way as Dennis Hopper. You know, didn't they? They both have cancer, correct? Mm -hmm. Am I am I am I right about that? Maybe. And and so, yeah, I I I'll have to look that up because I don't want to say say something that's incorrect. But I, I know I Dennis Hopper, fantastic actor, but unfortunately, you know, couldn't make movies anymore. Didn't have the strength. To, and I thought that's what happened with Car Harvey Keitel. If I'm wrong, Harvey, my apologies. But you know, him in Pulp Fiction, huh? no one better than harvey keitel as the wolf right so love that guy so you guys are you guys are doing you guys are doing below yep yep that'll be our next one okay so what do you got coming up after that uh braveheart i think oh yeah that's right braveheart <laughs> we have i thought you guys already did. No, we, the... we haven't done braveheart yet but uh one of our referrals is uh she is a big scottish history person so that was her choice was braveheart so and okay. braveheart okay. has the dubious honor of quite possibly being the most inaccurate historical film ever made oh come on not 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 worse than pearl harbor no pearl no I'm, I'm pretty sure it blows pearl harbor out of the water pun intended really See now again. That's a, that's a part. That's that's the type of history I'm not familiar See, with. I, I don't know a lot about. Well, that's it's a good thing we have a Scottish historian coming on because I wouldn't know the difference. The way I'm uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that episode. I I you know and I, I'll make sure I post. I'm going to post community tabs and on my internet or on my uh, Instagram. Uh, you know, make sure people check it out. The way it was described to me is: imagine watching a Revolutionary War movie but everyone's wearing backwards business suits and they're using cars to get to and from battles. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could have just said they're using, you know, M16s. <laughs> uh, you know, you could have just said that they were using They used you know, bow and arrows, Garrett, right? In the you know, that, makes, <laughs> that makes me think of are have you ever explored like alternate history on YouTube? It's a dark rabbit hole. <laughs> so, I I haven't. Are you are you talking about like like Man in the High Castle? Stuff? Sort of, yeah. Um, there's there's quite a few channels. You know, I'll I'll set. I know I've said this a lot. I will send you one big email of all the stuff I said I would send you. But 
send, send me little okay. emails. Don't yeah, yeah, little yeah, little emails because when you have a thought, send me an yeah. email. That's that's the that's there what I tell is to do. there's a subsection of the history community on YouTube that they do alternate history where they're like, what if the Nazis won? What if the what if really? we lost the Cold War? All that kind of stuff. Um, but it made me think there is a um there's an author who really kind of like got this started and he started writing in the 80s and 90s i think but <laughs> one of the books he wrote was i think it was called guns of the south or something and the whole premise is that there's this time traveler who brings crates of ak-47s to the confederacy and it like changes the course of the war and it's just it is an awful awful book but i was like oh my god just oh well i uh that's not like that's not like cowboys and aliens that movie no that's not like that I, I enjoyed the movie Cowboys and Aliens because everyone thinks when the aliens invade, it's going to be present day. It's always going to be present day. It's always going to be New York City, skyscrapers, all this stuff. The aliens are going to invade. That's what. But I love the Cowboys and Aliens idea because you had, you know, Daniel Craig and Harrison Ford. They're actually cowboys in the 1800s. And all of a sudden, here are the aliens. And um, I always thought that was an interesting idea. But then what you're talking about is there's YouTube channels where they present this alternate history to world to to world war ii is is that what i'm well, hearing literally like any kind of subject really or it's like well i love i love the ak-47s to the indians or whatever that was that's that's an interesting idea yeah so i'll but i, I have there's the there's a there's i'll a, send you a bunch of stuff so. oh go ahead go ahead i'll i'll look forward to it i'll look forward to it i uh i i i really enjoyed this today it's been a lot of fun and i think i i think i can learn a lot from you guys for uh uh for future stuff you know like i said like i've always said broken record kind of stuff it's it's interesting to hear what other people's perspective is so i know you've talked a bit about the work you've done already but uh i'd like to leave the floor to you to uh share any kind of social media accounts you got your youtube page any kind of projects you got coming up that you want people to keep an eye out for, uh, have at it. Yeah, man. Uh, the big things for me is the YouTube channel history X started it three years ago and it's, you know, hundred thousand subscribers. Now I couldn't be, couldn't be more proud. Couldn't be happier with my followers and, and viewers. They give me all kinds of great ideas. So if you want to check out history X and let me know what you want to see covered, I'd love to hear from you. You know, you can always reach me, Ken, at HistoryXChannel.com. Instagram page also for HistoryX. The big thing I've got coming up, we had, like I said during the broadcast, we had Richie Kohler, one of the deep sea detectives from the History Channel on. Uh, that was mid-December, talking about his exploration of the German submarine U-869 off the coast of New Jersey back in the 1990s. So he was fantastic as a guest of course a, a huge honor to have him on but i've been in the middle of editing that so you're going to see those videos come out from that podcast the uh, video podcast we do with other museums museum ship mafia so that'll be coming out and then in march i'm going to be I'm, I'm on a 10-day uh, video project over in pearl harbor in march so after that will be uh, a lot of a lot of different videos coming from that and this is all stuff that I love to do. So taking people behind the scenes of 
the historical aspects of World War II that a lot of people don't talk about. And love to have you as an, as a subscriber. So check us out. That is great. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and, uh, thank you for so much for choosing this film. Uh, you have now, uh, you now hold the record. We have our longest episode now with you. So what are we, we're at two hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> our previous record, our you know, previous great. record was two and a half hours with the guys from the civil weird podcast. So, yeah. well, okay. I hope that's not because you guys are like Canadian nice oh. where you just like, well, we can't get this guy to shut oh, up. Oh no. It, so we'll just, kind of, we'll just kind of ride you, along. You might've asked her and wait you might've ascertained this, but we, we go on tangents all the time. So yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. And I do it all the time. I love talking history. I love talking movies and I hope you guys have me back. I hope you don't regret this, but yeah, I, I would love to come back and talk about something like, you know, where Eagles dare or Von Ryan's express something totally not based on a true story and where we can really just like, Oh, and you guys haven't seen where Eagles dare, I guess. No, I haven't. That sounds, <laughs> sounds like we might have our next, our next film chosen. But... Oh, well, it's, it's like saying, it's like saying, um, die hard or lethal weapon. Which one was the better Christmas movies? Don't do this to us, man. <laughs> I mean, come on. Die Hard or Lethal Weapon? Which one was the better Christmas movie? At least in my opinion. Yeah, but in Lethal Weapon, they're going through the Christmas tree lot trying to catch the drug dealer guy. Yeah, but and, Bruce Willis. And the, and the, in, in the beginning of Lethal Weapon, the girl jumps off the balcony to uh, Frank Sinatra's uh, Jingle Bell Rock. <laughs> I mean, there's no better Christmas scene. I, I mean, what, well, what about, about Bruce Willis killing that dude and like riding on his shirt? I ha now I have a gun. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, my God. So Park Stevenson, the um, the director of the USS Kid, that's what he wore that to a hot. He posted on his Facebook page. John, I'll send you the link link. So Park Stevenson, who's been down to the Titanic with James Cameron, he was the advisor of the Titanic he, that he literally wore that sweatshirt to a Christmas party. Now I have a machine gun ho 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 <laughs> i yeah so so you're, you're picking lethal weapon huh no 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 i'm sorry you picked die hard yeah my votes for die hard alan rickman alan rickman god yeah. rest i think i think i would go with die hard just because the entire setting of it is within a christmas party so like the whole reason they're they're yeah. there is because of a christmas party so Good point. Yeah. So anyway, that's what where Eagles Dare. We where Eagles Dare is set in a totally snowy scene. Uh, they filmed it in uh, Bavaria, the Bavarian Alps. Uh, you know, so it's another opportunity to enjoy Christmas. If you're, you know, find yourself, you know, middle of the week during the holidays between Christmas and New Year's, you got nothing going on. You watch Where Eagles Dare with Clint Eastwood, and it's fantastic. Fantastic. They killed a bunch of cows, unfortunately, filming the movie, though. That was sad. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I digress. Um, yeah, have me on again. We'll talk about where you're Absolutely. We've loved having you. Um, so, Jack, do you have anything else before we leave? I was going to mention this earlier when we were talking about Schindler's List, but there's a grand total of two movies that I've watched once and recommend to everybody. But 
vowed to never watch again, and that's Schindler's List and Grave of the Fireflies. What was Grave the of one? the Fireflies? Super depressing. Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah, animated Miyazaki film about a boy huh. and his sister trying to survive World War II in Japan. You want to see a depressing movie? Watch Sideways with Paul Giamatti. I do like or, depressing uh, things, or like coming. Man, that so that's how we ended up doing. I, I can't. So obviously, I said Down Periscope is our most streamed episode. That's crazy. So Down Periscope was like episode number three for us. Our first okay. two, the first review we ever did was for an animated film called Picadon. It's a grand total of 10 minutes long. Um, and it's an animated film that covers the bombing of Hiroshima. And that is, it's a, for a 10 minute long film, it's super heavy, super dark. And it's like, holy shit. Um, so that's episode number one. Episode number two, we did Come and See. Um, oh, what is that? So, come, what you come and see? see is a film about uh, Eastern Europe during World War II, and it follows this teenage boy who is he even he, a teenager? I thought he was like thirteen or something. Well, kid, he, he this young this young man who uh, he joins a Belarusian. Uh, like resistance fighters gets separated from them witnesses a whole bunch of atrocities and then the film ends with him like getting relinked up with it but it's really just it was made during the time of the soviet union um but it really just highlights the the horrors of war and it's yeah there's there's it's no a, glory. There's no triumph. It's just the horrors of war. And the the big thing about Come and See is it. You start with this like very innocent young man, and you see him progressively get more and more traumatized throughout the film. Uh, so so our first our first two episodes were these super heavy, super dark films that like mm. afterwards, like we were just drained after a watching them and and then talking about them so by the time we got to episode three i was like i need something fun and lighthearted. so that's how i did down periscope down periscope because i was yeah. like i need something completely uh, different i like i like the fact that it's your mic must most uploaded episode uh but that movie you're talking about that sounds almost like empire of the sun do you ever watch empire of the Not sun yet. Christian Bale. I have not, but I've heard of it. One, one of it. Yeah. One of his first movies, I think he's like seven years old where they, when they filmed it or something like that. And you want to talk about the horrors of war and he kind of, you know, is forced to not necessarily grow up, but, ex, you know, witness and the atrocities and John Malkovich is in it. And yeah, I mean, that's a world war two movie that isn't like a world war two movie. It's, I mean, yeah. Anyway, but we can talk about that too, but, um, anything else, Jack? Yeah. Let me know. Uh, yeah, Jack, anything else? That's all from me. All right.
Well, if you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. The stars do matter. You can find us for additional content over on Instagram and Facebook under the Armchair Commanders podcast. We also have a Discord page where we do live viewing parties from time to time, so please join us over there as well. We also have a his or ugh, we have a YouTube channel as well. It's under the name History Apprentice, uh, where you can find our episodes posted there as well as my own uh, occasional random history postings. Uh, Thank you again so much for joining us. Uh, as said before, go and give History X a follow on YouTube and all the other platforms. Uh, and until next week, I've been John. And I'm Jack. My name's Ken from History X. And we will catch you all later. Bye.